Hello, everybody. Um, just some announcements today before we get started. Um, as always, uh, we have openings for the advertisements. Um, first five you get free, and after that, um, we'll talk prices. Um, I'm like I said, I've been saying I'm willing to negotiate. I don't really want to put a price down quite yet, just because I'm new to this. I'm not a fucking marketing major by any means. Um, so I'm willing to, uh, you know. I might even be I I'd be willing willing to do it for a insignificant price. Um So yeah, just just let me know what's going on with that. All y'all who are listening, if you got something to promote, you got business, you got a side project you want, you know. Um in regards to that, um if y'all don't have a business or a project or something like that that you're working on and you just want to mention at the end of every podcast. Um, if you subscribe to my Patreon for $5 a month, you get that privilege. Not just once, not just twice, but the end of every single podcast. You heard it right. Every single one. Eventually, everybody's going to get so fucking annoyed that they're going to have to, they're going to have to look you up. It's going to have to be like, what? Fuck. Coleman is just blasting them like crazy. They got to be great, right? For only $5 a month, you can have that privilege. (laughs) Um, And yeah, obviously there are other tiers. Uh, You can go $10 a month and get behind the scenes access. Um, Some stuff that we can't necessarily air on YouTube or other um, maybe more public platforms. That's all I'll say about that. Um... Otherwise, uh, we are continuing to stay safe with the corona, all that. Um, Everything's, at least in Iowa, everything's starting to reopen. So I'm really hoping to do more stuff with this, Um, maybe even get out. Um, I have a couple side projects in mind. So um, if any of y'all want to get started with that, hit me up and have a fucking great time. Um, Without further ado with that, or I should say, Who cares? Fuck all that shit. The thing that's really important today is I have a very special guest on today. Um, I've been having a lot of artists, a lot of rappers. I love it, but it's refreshing to have a... How do I put this? Maybe more of a regular citizen, let's say. Um, No no diss, no offense. Um, Maybe somebody more of... um, more of a caliber that I may be a little more flexible with. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Ignore me. Anyways, my guest today is going to be a man named J-Bash. Um, he goes by J-Bash. Um, I don't know if that's Jonathan, Jimothy. I don't fucking know. But it's J. It's J-Bash. Well, that's all that matters. Um, he's going to come on today. He's been a good friend of mine for years and years and years and this man he's he does a lot he does a lot of behind the scenes stuff not in the music industry per se but he's just an eccentric guy he's such a character i've been waiting to have him on for so long um this whole pandemic with the corona has put this on hold for way too fucking long we're finally getting him on i'm so glad that's happening um so please stay tuned for that it's gonna be good shit um Otherwise, I've already been rambling on way too long. Um, Here's the show.
Oh, but yeah, I'm fine. I mean, okay. unless you want to listen to the trailer, I guess. But um, I mean, other than that, ah. I'm not going to be. You're not an artist. We're not showcasing any music or anything like that. So I am too an artist, just not a musical one. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> he corrected me there. I was thinking in my head, my like, ah. There's, there's more than one kind of artist. I'm a performance know? artist, but also I sing. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, you ready to get started? Sure. Fuck yeah. I assume yeah. that you actually had already hit record. Yeah, no, I had. We just... Okay. Uh, it's, so it's like, it's live, but it's not live. Yeah. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? I follow. All right. I know how that shit works. And uh, we'll, take, we'll take at least one break, um, depending on how long it goes, maybe two if you want, but we'll just see. We'll just vibe with it. So. Cool. All right. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm not even on the right... Come on, Coleman. Get your fucking <laughs> shit together, man. Oh, my shit is retarded. wholly untogether today, so it's fine. <laughs> All right. Am I am I good, Mike? Distance. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Your mic's all good. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, you are watching slash listening to the McAllister Hours. I am your host, Coleman McAllister, and today I'm ecstatic for this episode. We've been talking about doing this for like what two months. Somewhere right in there. Since like it's conception. Basically it? like, hey, quarantine's happening. Let's try to make plans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't work. So did, yeah, here we are. Did, two months did later. Not work. Um, but yeah, we're we're here today joined with uh, J Bash here. J Maxwell Bash. J Maxwell Bash. <laughs> the full uh the full entourage name. Yes. How you doing, man? I'm good. Good? Just uh, chilling? Yes. As chilling as I can. I don't imagine anybody is exceptionally good at this particular moment in time but you know no um this is new for all of us um you know even with the podcast we had a slew of people lined up like right in april yeah no that didn't fucking happen yeah i mean i got uh like friends that teach music lessons i got a guitar player friend of mine um and a drummer and they're like well i guess we're gonna see how this goes like people canceling or like having to strictly do online lessons yeah which that thankfully is a thing we can do in today's day and age i mean i don't imagine pandemics in the uh 20s or 30s were all that ideal so i guess <laughs> to look at it in that sort of positive light there are things that we can do to stay afloat yeah exactly um we had another guest on the podcast here a few episodes back and we were kind of talking about how um this pandemic like how it could potentially shape technology you know how it probably is shaping technology yeah. i mean you know, it's really shaping everything, but that I especially. feel like people have been really good about keeping in contact with others, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't think is something that we are very good at in general. Yeah. Uh, I know personally I struggle with it. Uh, I sometimes, you know, disappear and forget to contact people, and my brain or anxiety is elsewhere, and I'm like, oh, fuck, that's right, I looked at a thing, and then I didn't respond to it. Um, so I think a lot of people are bad at keeping in touch. You know, like I had... I'm not from here. There's a lot of yep. there's a lot of transplants, and so we all have friends elsewhere, and like keeping in contact or calling people or whatever. Um, during this, there is Zoom and other such things, and people have been able to FaceTime uh, a fair amount. And I think that that's going to be something that'll stick going forward. I don't think people are just going to go back to normal. I think this kind of changed how we communicate. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of it also kind of depends on the you know. I think the hype is slowly dying down, but it's going to be. I think it's going to be around for a while, so it's going to be interesting with the long-term effects of everything's going to be. Um, you know, I had not even heard of Zoom until this either. whole <laughs> this whole thing fucking started. I thought it was just Skype. Oh, Skype and uh, 
Facebook and all that. Yeah, that's I, what know. I thought. Uh, I, uh, Skype was kind of the big one for a long time, but then, like, mm-hmm. I guess Zoom is what a lot of companies use because it's better for, like, mass people, you know, which I think you can still I do that see. with Skype, but, like, Zoom was desi- designed to, I believe, have multiple people on at once instead I of just, see. like, a face-to-face with another person, so. Um, but, yeah, there's, like, Messenger video call, which is kind of shit. Um, there's Google Hangout, which is pretty solid. Uh, yeah, and Skype. And house party. Did you do any house partying? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, house party's kind of fun. There's like a bunch of stupid games you can do on there. Oh, uh, okay. And so then, it's like, all integrated. Your your uh, phone notifies you like you know this person is active on house party, and so you can get like a room of a bunch of people that can just join and say hello, even if you're not like quote unquote friends with them. Just a bunch of people can jump in to the house party, and there's always dumb games you can do on it, and it's just yeah. interactive FaceTime fun stupid thing I, I had a little bit of time with that yeah um it, it's good to be doing that i personally have been like kind of i'm more of an introverted kind of guy so yeah. i've been like really taking uh, this podcast has been taking up a you know, enormous amount of time right. next to you know working full-time um which you have been doing this whole time right yeah you haven't much. like worked less or like stopped working at all You've no been, my like, work uh increased actually yeah okay upon cool. the coronavirus um you know, I guess that's a good segue. Uh, we were just kind of talking a little bit. I don't know if you mind talking about your work, but uh, how has your work been affected? Or you were not working for a while, right? Well, so I am a bartender at a local spot, the University Library Cafe, um, <laughs> which I will only refer to as the library going forward. But there is a library in Cedar Falls, and my lab- library is way better. And if Jeff Lance, the owner, hears this, he can go fuck himself. <laughs> which I say with love. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I wasn't not working, like, the lo- my last shift was a Monday, it was, like, March 16th, because St. Paddy's Day was the 17th, and that's when, like, we shut the world down, which was wild to think about, like, yeah, St. Paddy's Day, the biggest drinking day of the year, pretty much. Huge profit loss. And, yeah, but, like, that was a smart thing to do, because it's like, well, this shit's starting to become yep. prominent and peak, like, do we really want thousands of people gathering in the same areas to drink their asses off and all be exposed like that's how you get spikes yeah. that's how like like i don't know what happened there but like sioux city just like blew up in cases and yeah. you know that's how that shit goes down so um we were never like closed closed i think i yeah i work monday tuesday nights and thursday days and i worked that last monday we were open and then tuesday we were closed i didn't work that thursday i don't or no no i did i had tuesday off and then Wednesday, I think we kind of like kept recalculating what was going on. I mean, nobody knew anything. That's the problem with this whole process. Is like, yeah, there's such a, uh, a a what's the correct word? Dearth of information. Just a complete lack of information and knowledge. So like, I have to hear from my boss, who's a manager, who's has to hear from ownership. Like, so I'm hearing like who has to hear from the government, which in this particular case, I think is a really wholly unreliable source. So. <laughs> Um, just my opinion. Uh, no, no. So I, I have to I hear like fourth or fifth hand, like what's happening and what we can do. And so I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to work again. Uh, I don't know where my money's going to come from. And our government is profoundly incapable, <laughs> incompetent. But um, so yeah, we uh, we opened that Thursday for just like to go orders, curbside mm-hmm. stuff. And so I worked like eleven to eight o'clock by myself and it was just like a dead shift because everybody was panicking at that point like we don't want to go anywhere and you know but then we yeah i was just working mondays for a bit because i basically had to go from 
being a bartender to being a glorified food runner overnight, which is very different setting. Like, yeah, uh, extremely. It was awful. Yeah, not preferred uh, like, at all. I chose bartending because I love it. Like, I, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer. I've found things that make me money that aren't creative endeavors, which have never made me money. So, <laughs> uh, finding a profession that I actually enjoy that still allows me time to do creative stuff that I'm not, you know, financially benefiting from much. But, um, so bartending was that thing, and it's wonderful. And then all of a sudden, I was no longer a bartender, and I had to take <laughs> strictly to go orders all of the time. So I would just be like running in and outside. You have to change your gloves every time. You have to wear a mask, which is really hard for a guy with a beard like mine and glasses. Yeah, holy shit. Um, and it's not just like, oh, I'm inconvenienced. I don't want to wear it. It's like, no, functionally, it's really hard. Like, I can't see because my glasses are <laughs> fogged up. And like, I don't know if it's properly covering my face like it should. Like, it's just, it's kind of a nightmare to figure out on the fly. Yeah. Um, and then all the while, I'm like running outside, dropping food off while the phone's in my pocket ringing off the hook nonstop for people wanting to go orders and growlers and so just like functionally it was like a total nightmare and just like a complete overnight shift of like what my job was so it was like all of a sudden I was a new guy again doing something completely new and way more stressful that I'm not comfortable doing in a pandemic setting <laughs> not knowing anything at all so yeah kind of a nightmare not something I would recommend but we really didn't have a choice. So I, I technically I had been working this whole time. I'd, um, I dropped down to just Mondays from four to eight because that was all I could handle. And with unemployment and the CARES Act, financially, I was all of a sudden like sitting in a great spot, which is like a weird silver lining <laughs> Yeah, right. from all this. I was just like, holy shit, I'm, I have money in my account. This is awesome. Again, I, I, that was, that's not something I expected because my anxiety during the beginning of all this was not knowing yep. where money was going to come from mm -hmm. and when I was going to work and how and, you know. Um, if I don't have customers, if I don't have people in my bar, I'm not making tips and therefore I'm not making money because that's how the service industry works. <laughs> so exactly. um, to all of a sudden be sitting in a really great position was weird and definitely helped with anxiety stuff a lot. So, um, But I still didn't want to work. I mean, every time I was there, it was just, again, a nightmare, which is a word I've used a lot during these last two months <laughs> and I imagine others have as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're not alone in that one, yeah. for sure. But it's, I guess, sort of less of one now. But then there was like, uh, you know, we were all allowed to reopen, not just recently for like actual dine-in service, but like a lot of businesses got the um, the PPP loan, which was the payroll protection plan. So you know like more that. about this than I do, probably. I, oh, I get into it. I like I I'm I'm glad that you were able to continue working during all this shit, and that you like your professional setting didn't just completely change. No, yeah, you know, like that's awesome that some people have been able to do that. You know, I have a lot of friends that work from home and. Um, or have been able to work from home during all this, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, all of a sudden, my company took a loan and was like, hey, you have to go back to work now, and we're going to pay you from this, and you can't be on unemployment. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Anxiety returns. Um, <laughs> more uncertainty on finances and job functionality and whatever else. And It wasn't great. And, like, Des Moines has, like, a profound, large group of service industry people yeah much of which know each many of whom know each other and so you know thankfully we were all able to like keep in contact and there's like a big facebook facebook group with like a thousand people oh many wow. of whom kind of know each other and we've all talked and kept in touch and like i what do i do for this unemployment and there was a guy that works at iowa taproom that works for the um iowa workforce development and so he was able to like pass on a whole slew of information to all of us so he was like extremely 
helpful. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's been interesting times. I'm going on too much about weird technical <laughs> stuff, but oh, you're good. You're good. Um, not ideal. So most of my last two months have been being at home with my cat, getting weird, having a great time. <laughs> Because I am not somebody who is opposed to solitary confinement. No, yeah, and I, we're very alike in that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've, I'm more extroverted than you, but like, yeah. my introverted tendencies are still there. Like, I'm I'm an extroverted introvert. I think is how I put it. You're in the middle. Like, I'm I grew up kind of an introvert, and like I had siblings and everything. None of us really all got along, so like I spent a lot of time in my room by myself. That was kind of like my space to not, you know, be an angsty teenager and hate everything. So. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. So, um, you know, uh, then I realized that I'm actually really social and then, you know, spent a lot of time in bars in my twenties and like getting to know people and kind of finding out how to be an outward social person that I am while also finding the balance of introvertedness and the time I need to myself to, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a empathic thing. Like I'm a, like say I'm a hyper empath. So basically I feel everybody else's shit all of the time. So, which is beneficial for like bartending. I can like feel people's vibes when they come in and I'm like, okay, I know how to, I know how to talk to this person. I'm kind of a chameleon because I've had so many different friend groups. And so I can kind of just adjust to whoever I'm around. Um, but I'm absorbing other people's feelings and energy all the time. So like I need a lot of time by myself to like yeah. decompress and figure out what I'm feeling and what's not something I just absorbed from somebody else that I was able to adapt to and have a good time with. And like, it's tricky. Yeah, finding a, finding a balance of being extremely social <clears throat> and needing like a large friend group and needing to meet new people a lot and also needing a lot of time to myself. So, yeah, I, li- I live alone with a cat, and that's the <laughs> ideal scenario. For me. <laughs> that sounds perfect, man. Yeah. Um, no, you're not gonna really like I said. You're not gonna really relate to that. I think we uh, get along very well in terms of that. Um, when do you think you're gonna be bartending again? Well, I kind of am now. Um, oh, okay. Kind of. We o- reopened last week. Um, a week ago this weekend for like limited capacity mm-hmm. so basically or half capacity essentially yeah yeah yeah. so three of our tables are open and you can call i was actually in there uh fuck thursday i think yeah yep i was in there so thursday night no uh it would have been afternoon maybe may or shit it wouldn't have been thursday then because i was there thursday afternoon and i did not recall saying tuesday me. maybe i don't know I was there. I don't know what day it is ever. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I know nothing anymore. Like I, that's especially those couple weeks where I was just working Monday, like which I needed to do because I needed to just like take a break and yeah, yeah, recalibrate yeah. at home and be like, what the fuck is going on, and not feel just like crippling anxiety at all times. Um, I had no idea what day it was then. <laughs> I was just like at home getting weird with my cat, like my underwear in a flannel, like drinking endless manhattans and watching like old pro wrestling and just having a blast being like this is weird as shit nobody else would should be here ever because this is too much for others but i'm having that time of my life that's all that matters yeah i needed that time to just like completely counterbalance what was happening in my professional life like lean into private life as much as possible yeah um so I guess like when do you think you'll have like a full like when do you think we're gonna be at the point where we have a full bar and you're like you're back in your groove like porn shots making drinks all that kind of stuff? I have no idea. Like <laughs> I really know Fair. nothing. Like um, <laughs> the availability of information has been so limited. Like anybody knowing anything is such a 
shot in the dark. I. It's um, true. I worked Monday, Tuesday night, which was like the third and fourth day that we were quote unquote open for limited capacity. Basically, you call in and you reserve an hour time slot where you can sit at a table and you have to order food to be able to drink and hang out and you know like if nobody else comes in and there's not people waiting you could stick around longer than an hour but yeah um so monday tuesday night i was kind of bartending also we have two picnic tables that we put outside in the parking lot oh okay so we like sort of have like a patio which is always like the one thing that the library was kind of missing which as a bartender i'm thrilled about yeah patios suck and i don't ever want to do that (laughs) but like as a patron it'd be really awesome to just like sit outside and have drinks with people in the parking lot of the library and smoke cigarettes you know like (laughs) it's true so we can do that now because while the government is trying to fuck us at every turn they also said like it's kind of a free-for-all now (laughs) you know these are lawless times uh you can sell alcohol in to-go containers cocktails booze whatever you can openly drink in the parking lot it doesn't matter this is how we'll get through this together. Dang, I, I did not know any of that. Yep, that's uh, I have heard that there are like some bar. I'm not saying this about your bar at all, but just like some bars I've heard that are like reopening despite they're just like you know saying fuck it. Some of the more like the maybe, Tipsy Crow. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. You don't need to. Just <laughs> stay far, far away. <clears throat> um. Yeah, we're kind of just spitballing here. Uh, I didn't bring any notes. We can't. You're 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 like enough of a character where I don't need any fucking plan at all. We just have some whiskeys and we fucking go with. Yeah, them. I mean, I as long as I have, uh, you know, a whiskey in front of me, I can have a conversation <laughs> for as long as I need to, anytime. So, and if I'm not too anxiety riddled, I can try to be entertaining. <laughs> um, you ever drink Clyde Mays? I have not actually. Really? Yeah. No, I forgot to respond to you sharing. <laughs> That, hey, look what I got! I just because I because I suck, but like um, I've seen that one before, but I've never actually had it. So, um, well, this is actually I've never had this. This is the first batch, apparently, um, Alabama style. So this guy oh, Clyde okay. Mays. Well, I've seen some Clyde Mays before, but maybe this like particular version of Clyde Mays is a new. I think this is like brand new. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. Um, but I think a big part of why we get along so well is we're both very big whiskey and IPA proprietors. Yes, definitely. Um, so yeah, that guy, he was a big part of the, you can read on the bottom, he was a big part of the uh, Prohibition. Okay. He was like one of the leading people that like uh, um, did whiskey, and he was really big in Kentucky, I believe. I could okay. Be here, let me look him up, actually. So Alabama, I'm guessing it's not far off from like, I mean, it kind of tastes like it too. It's like Tennessee whiskey, which isn't actually bourbon, but it's like, it's American whiskey. Yeah. Made, yeah. made prominently with corn. It's not too far off. You know, maybe it's a little more rye, but... Um, yeah, no, this is pretty solid. I haven't had anything of theirs before, but um, I quite enjoy it. Here it is on the website. <laughs> Can you see that? The Alabama stuff. Yes. Um, shit, I'm trying to see if they have any info on like the guy. Because like, that shit's really fucking cool. Like the, all the... I don't Mind if I... Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, man, we're uh, this is a free for all right here with the whiskey all here. Okay, well, we'll I've I've had half of a grilled cheese today. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, my friend Molly, uh, my lady Molly, she was here the other podcast. Uh, she has a terrible time. Like, she's really new into like drinking and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. she just had a really long period of her life. She's twenty four. She just okay, really sure, got sure. really late. You know, it, yeah, no, it took me a while. Like, I didn't really party when I was younger, partially because my parents kind of like accused me of that shit and like my way to rebel was to not do any of that (laughs) 
this, even as like a teenager, I was like this justified, like spiteful shithead. It's like, I'll show them. I'm not going to do any of that. And they'll know at the end of this that I was right. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think around 21, I found a couple beers that I liked. Because I never liked shitty beer. I didn't really like any hard liquor. Uh, and then I started drinking Boulevard. Oh, there and you go. I was like, oh, I could do this. So, I mean, I would like, we'd go to like, me and some friends would go to this like karaoke spot and sing songs and I'd have like three pints of Boulevard. And that was like <laughs> how I partied in my early 20s, you know, fast forward to 35 and I will drink all hours of the day, so much whiskey and just not even like be bothered. Like I'm, my tolerance is so stupid high and it sucks. Nobody should want a high tolerance. It's terrible. <laughs> it takes so much to get drunk. It's expensive. I'm drinking five Manhattans in an hour at my house if I'm just by myself saying, fuck it. And I'm like, eh, I'm fine. Jesus I'm Christ. fine. I could take a nap right now. Or I could just keep going. You know, <laughs> Maybe make a grilled cheese. <laughs> but um, but yeah. yeah, I had a fair amount of my early adulthood where I didn't drink much at all. So I totally get it. Like, I mean, I didn't even like whiskey till I was like 29, 30. Wow. Yeah. That's late. I'm really only like five years and five, six years into being like a big whiskey fan. And I, I don't weigh in as I often do with things that I like, but damn, you know, so, so yeah. So she was getting into whiskey. Yeah. Oh no, not whiskey. Oh, she's okay, still okay. into the, like, Jesus. she's still like to the, like doing the hard mics and the vodka, mm-hmm. you know, those basic drinks that you're still getting into when younger, but are when I was not 19, younger, but... I drank a few Mike's hard cranberries. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, I did too. You know, there's no such thing as like girly drinks. Like just like whatever you like, you know? Yeah. I feel you know, the same. The manliest way. thing one can do is drink something that others consider to be girly drink, whatever that even means. And be like, ah, fuck you. I like this. Yeah. And like the even more manly thing on top of that is if you can convince them to like, like it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. If you're like, uh, oh, fuck you. This is actually really fucking good. You want to try it? They like, they take four and they're like, oh my, they're fucking smashed. Right. Like, this is the fucking best shit ever. Like if you go to like, uh, you know, bellhop or like bartender's handshake or something and you get like some fruity cocktail with a bunch of, you know, fruits hanging out of it. Yeah. Like, oh, what's this little thing you got? I'm like, <laughs> just try it. You'll <laughs> love it. You know? Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really do the mixed drinks so much. I don't really either. I just like, because it's not, I would prefer to like have a Manhattan or an old fashioned or just have straight whiskey. That's really my preferred thing unless I'm drinking beer or wine. But, um, yeah, I appreciate them. And if you get a nice fruity cocktail on occasion, it can taste good. Yeah, exactly. But it's not really my jam. I just don't like sweet fruity things, but it has nothing to do with it being like a girly drink or whatever. It's, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, having like a, I don't know, like the authentic taste to like. A hard, stronger liquor, you know? Yep. I really enjoy that. So, again, I've drank so many Manhattans these last couple months. <laughs> Refresh my memory. I'm not, like, really into the Manhattans. Okay, was that so again? Manhattan and Old Fashions are not too far off, but, like, okay. Manhattan is more, like, cherry sweet and mm, less, like, sugary sweet. It de- And it depends on how you make them. There's, like, endless variations on how you can make Manhattans yeah. or Old Fashions, especially, I think. Manhattan's pretty, pretty standard, I think. It's just, it's whiskey, sweet vermouth cannot be dry or else it'll be terrible um and then you put some bitters and you put a cherry in it with a little bit of like the cherry juice that'll come in and then you, that's your manhattan hmm. it's pretty simple i think it's delicious because i love cherry i don't really love sweet but i like cherry sweet and my manhattans are strong <laughs> so it's like this boozy cherry sweetness and it's fucking delicious and i drink a lot of them yeah it's good shit um so like what was the first thing you'd say you like drank like when uh for me it was hawkeye 
Hawkeye vodka, like the worst really? place you could start. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. But, you know, you dove right in, you know? If I'm going to yeah. do this, I'm going to fucking do this. Uh, no, it was Boulevard for me. Like, I I mean, before I liked beer, yeah. If, there were, there were, if people had, like, you know, again, Mike's Hard Cranberry, I was not opposed to. I did definitely like that one. <laughs> uh, I liked Goldschlager, weirdly. Which is disgusting now. I would never, <laughs> ever... I don't like anything cinnamon in the slightest now, but Ooh, yeah. probably because I had a really bad experience with Gold Rush, which is a knockoff Gold Schlager. Uh, There's something about getting drunk enough to vomit when you're like 23 and then like burping cinnamon the next day. You're like, well, <laughs> never going to drink that flavor again. Oh my God. Well, that's kind of the whole thing is like, sh- doesn't sugar and alcohol like curdle in your stomach? It can. That's like the whole thing with like, because uh, I... what. Big Lebowski, what's the thing? The uh, white, white Russians. White Russians, yeah. 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 You can't, like, that's Well, and that's, like, with the milk specifically, or the heavy cream, whatever uh, you're, you know, half and half, I think is kind of the, what people would usually use for it, but, mm-hmm. you know, whether you use cream, half and half, 2%. Milk, yeah. Yeah, whatever, whatever you do. Like, I, I, see, I used to love White Russians, too, and then I had too many of them one night. <laughs> and that's just another flavor profile that's, like, pretty tasty, but if you have a bad experience with it, it's, like, a very specific flavor profile, so... I don't really want anything to do with that anymore. Yeah, you can get fucked up. Um, when I lived back when I lived in Cannes, there was a small town bar, and they had like these like it was like a white Russian so- shot almost. It was like half the liqueur and then like the cream, and like you know it's small town. Everybody's right. just taking shots, getting fucking smashed. And totally. I just saw so many people get so fucking trashed and so sick just drinking those things. Like yeah, you, know, you gotta like. If you're gonna be an alcoholic, you gotta be a fucking smart alcoholic. You yeah, know what I mean? At totally. least like know what the fuck you're <laughs> I, functioning. You know? I just I, I'm I feel kind of fortunate that I <clears throat> eased into drinking and just didn't. I wasn't really like around it. Like again, my parents thought I was, but like, did like, your parents drink a lot? I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Uh, I think all. we grew up in a similar like very Christian conservative setting. Well, my dad like, drinks. My dad's always drinking. Oh, okay. So we had the Christian conservative aspect, but also that alcohol was bad. Ooh, yeah, like damn. not allowed. There was no zero, alcohol, zero drops of oh alcohol my in my house ever. Go See, on. that's a big difference between you and me. Is like yeah. it, in my household, it wasn't really like, especially liquor. My dad never drinks liquor; yeah. he just doesn't like it. But yeah, he would kick back beers all the time. Okay, and, like it was always, like every time I went to a family event, people got trash. So my oh man, I just never had any of that. But my my mom's dad was an alcoholic, and he drank till the day he died. Oh, and then. Fuck. Like, I, my first experience with an alcoholic was when I was, like, six, I think. And he was, like, mostly, like, a pleasant man. He wasn't, like, this crazy, abusive alcoholic. It just, it was a thing that occasionally could turn bad. And, I um, see what you're saying. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, what, when I was younger, like, six, seven years old, something like that, he lived in Illinois. And we, like, we'd go visit him for, like, a weekend or a week with mm-hmm. him and his wife at that time. And then we'd go to, like, St. Louis Cardinals games and hang out. And I remember my first experience... <laughs> was smelling it on his breath and I went to the fridge to grab something like a juice I think it was a juice that my mom said I could have and he like breathed alcohol into my face and grabbed my arm and was like you don't ask your mom you ask me <laughs> I was like six man and I was like what the fuck is that that's when I knew like oh that's alcoholism <laughs> and drinking which I just had no exposure to prior to that like I think I had I don't even know if I knew that my grandpa was an alcoholic at that point in time. I, I have no idea because I just didn't grow up with it, you know? Yeah. And on, my, yeah. on my dad's side, he, like, was kind of a little bit more, like, strict military, militaristic type upbringing. So, like, alcohol was just bad and not allowed, even though nobody was really an alcoholic prior. It was just like, nope, not good. Damn. And my dad claimed that he tried it one time. 
He tried a beer one time and never liked it. But I think it's because it wasn't allowed, and that just like kind of stuck with him. Um, so yeah, that was my household growing up. Yeah, like so what naturally. You try I'm a 35-year-old yeah. bartender that drinks all of the time now. Because <laughs> we are all products of our environment, whether we go with it or against it. Like Exactly. Yeah, so here I am. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't drink for a long time, so... Uh, yeah, Boulevard, that's always what I claim was my first like thing that okay. I enjoyed. Uh, I liked Yukon Jack for a while. That sounds familiar. That's a, it is whiskey, right? It's a Canadian liqueur. Oh, but it's also a hundred proof, so it's strong. Holy but it's like it's really shit. it's got a sweetness to it, but it's also got this weird like pungent funk to it. I don't know. A lot of people don't like hmm. Yukon Jack, but it was a p- particular flavor and it was strong, so I liked it. But then, like as soon as I started liking whiskey, that was that. <laughs> like, and and I never drank Yukon Jack again. Damn. Um, I don't know if this is possible, but I want to say I I was with this I was hanging out with this fucking drunk ass alcoholic um but he had this rum that was like a hundred he, he said it was like 110 proof that exists that does exist there's okay. some that's higher than that actually oh okay yeah, yeah. okay <clears throat> we had a so, couple we had a couple at skull when i worked there um shit what's it called i feel like it's called like prohibition rum or something damn like the bottles are very like abrasive because it's like hey this is really strong <laughs> <clears throat> and we'll it's die. i mean it's literally yeah. like 67 <laughs> 65, 67% alcohol, something like that. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> um, but I had some of that one time, and I remember, like, I was just drinking it, like, with Coke. Like, mixed with Coke, just like, you know, any other regular Roman Coke. I'm, I'm, I'm like, sitting, chilling at this guy's house, sitting back on the coffee counter, or not the coffee counter, the kitchen counter. And then, like, I blacked out, and then, like, ten minutes later, I woke up on the floor. <laughs> and then, like, uh, I was just, like... We like we stayed there for some reason for like three hours, and I was just like on my ex wife's like lap, just like sweating, and like I thought I was gonna die, man. Like wow, that was the last time. That, I didn't fuck with rum again for a long time after that. So that is a very uh, unique rum that is not like other rums. <laughs> like that is not that should not be indicative of the entire style of rum. No, no, and I don't want to. I don't want to like make people think that that's what happens when you drink rum. But, no, like no, I just happen to be in an odd situation with like yep. an extreme alcoholic. Who is drinking that shit? Yeah, like not because it's fun or entertaining, but because that's what he needs to, <laughs> to be get on that to level. where he needs yeah. to be. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I mean, it's fucking sad too, but also like I get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget like seeing that many empty bottles around his apartment and just being like, "I'm so broke, I'm so broke." Oh, I'm gonna oh. go drop a hundred dollars and get all this alcohol. <laughs> no wonder you're fucking broke, you dumb. You know? Yeah. I'm not trying to diss people drinking. No, no, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a, alcoholism is a very specific, like, disease, and it's hard, and, you know, it's a thing. Not, not discrediting that by any means, but there is another level of it that's like, oh, wow, this is rough. I think the difference between, like, you and me and people like that is, like, we drink alcohol because we enjoy it. Oh, totally. Like, I I drink to enjoy, not to drown. So, you know, therein lies the difference, and unfortunately, that's a prominent thing for a lot of people, and. Yeah. That's a hard situation to be in. So, hopefully, that person gets help. But yeah, exactly. Um, the one thing I will say to anybody watching who might be under the age of twenty-one who's thinking about drinking, I at least recommend you wait until you're eighteen, like bare minimum. <laughs> uh, what do you? I don't know. Sure. What's your opinion? I mean, I don't really. I guess I don't really have one. It just kind of depends. Like, I think, like, as somebody who didn't grow up doing that and didn't really like, like, I think I was so angry at my 
parents for like accusing me of that shit. I'm like, I'm just going to my friend's house and playing video games. Like, yeah, exactly. We're just like nerds going places to hang out. Like, I had an older friend who is an alcoholic, but um, he we was just like hang out and like watch NBA basketball and like watch Led Zeppelin DVDs and shit. Like, I just wasn't I wasn't doing anything harmful. I wasn't seeking out like a party. I was just like hanging out with friends because yeah. that was like my source of positivity at a time where my home life was not that at all so like i wasn't going out and partying getting fucked up i was just like being nerds with my nerd friends yeah exactly (laughs) so i have a a little bit different perspective on that like i'm i'm glad that i waited but i think because i'm such some such a contrarian to like go against my environment in and i'm all oppositional defiant disorder and whatever else so i chose to go probably this path intentionally Mm -hmm. because i waited till I said I would wait to do the things. And then I was like, well, I'm justified in that now in my contrarian shitheadedness. And now I can do whatever I want. And so, you know, it's not a surprise that I like a 35 year old bartender that loves whiskey and is a booze connoisseur. Yeah. It's right. like totally the opposite of what my parents expected of me, you know? Um, so, I mean, I think it'd be okay to wait to drink because there's always time. There's always like, time to learn yeah. like what's good and like what's something that people have passion for making and that's like delicious and not just like something to get you fucked up, you know. Exactly. I always drank because I enjoyed it. I wasn't ever just drinking to get fucked up. Like I always liked what I was drinking, and so even now, like I'm drinking whiskey because I love it, not because I want to get drunk. Um, yeah, which also sounds fine right now, but. <laughs> uh, so you know, if you if you're around it in like a safe environment and you're not just like some 16, 17, 18 year old kid getting fucked up. For the sake of it but also like i don't know i knew people that grew up in northeast iowa like getting drunk with their friends in cornfields you know like <laughs> slamming 30 packs of bush light and they're fine they turned out yeah fine, so, exactly you know. it's really hard it's really hard to tell it, it's like it's this weird combination of factors that yeah. makes somebody turn into like that compulsive crazy alcoholic that everybody kind of thinks about you know yeah there's a balance to find as in all <laughs> As in all walks in life, is a balance to find. Sometimes it could be hard, but you know exactly. Um, I want to get into this with you later, but that um, the difference that you and I have in drinking is you're a big wine proprietor. That's like the thing with me is like, and I really you know getting into this discussion about like you know the craft of alcohol. <clears throat> part of me really wishes I appreciated wine because there is like a huge craft in alcohol. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I can't. Maynard Keenan, I think his name is. Maynard James um, Keenan. Yeah. Yep, yep. The guy from Tool. Yep. Like, he has his whole, like, he does his own wines. Giant Depp does oh, his yeah. own, You know, and it's like a whole well, craft. Maynard's serious about it, too. Yeah. Like, because yeah. there's a lot of guys, like David Coverdale, like the White Snake singer, has, oh. like, he's got a line of wine, and it's just, it's probably not good. And he's just like, you guys make this. I'll put my uh, yeah, right. name and label on it, and, like, you know, whatever you need me to do. I'll get just, a paycheck. Yeah. Right. Um, but Maynard, it's like his winery, it's, his wine or his grape uh what's the term whatever fields of grapes yeah <laughs> vineyard vineyard there, yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, there you go there you go god yeah. vineyard <laughs> it's his vineyards like it's his shit and he's super passionate about it it's like him mm-hmm. and another guy that are like the main two guys of that operation like he does it all like he's super into it um i went and saw <clears throat> i went to Lollapalooza in 2009 in Chicago. You saw Tool? Yeah. I've seen Tool a couple times. I saw them when they came here. I used to be way more into them. Now I'm kind of indifferent because my music taste has gone everywhere and they just mm-hmm. stopped making music for 12 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 12 years, which were like my 20s and early 30s and I'm like a giant music nerd more than I'm anything else. So like, of course I'm going to not 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See you guys. Some I haven't even listened to their new album. It came out like a year ago. Wow, really? Yeah, I just I don't know. Like I just I don't know. I got into different stuff, and it's not it's not the it's not what the hype is made out to be. But it's worth yeah. a listen. I mean, I still love Tool. Like I went and saw them here at the Wells Fargo, and I was just like, oh god, I love genuinely still love Tool. I just never listen to them anymore. But. Fuck. Um, anyway, I went and saw Lollapalooza 2009, and they were the headliner one of the three days, and he came out on stage, and I'll never forget this, he goes, <laughs> and because he's so weird, and he yes. just like, and he just like slowly walks up to the microphone, and he's so just like docile, <laughs> and just like, you know, and he's like, I hope you guys all know that I'm missing my harvest of seven young boys <laughs> to be here today, so I hope you're happy. <laughs> And then he went back to the drum set, stripped down into his underwear, and then that was it. That was the show. <laughs> he did weird dance moves by the drum set and sang while his band played wonderfully. And I was like, I love Maynard James Keenan so much. <laughs> it was so great. He's like, I hope you're all happy. It was so funny. Like, he's being kind of like tongue in cheek, but he's also serious because he's a major James Keenan and he's a lunatic and he's, yeah. like, and he's like I take this shit seriously this is the thing that has afforded me the ability to do what I'm passionate about that's not music and I hope you're all happy that I am missing that to be here for you <laughs> I loved it I'll never forget it it was the best oh Tool's great like their whole like it, they had like that or they had they have that like Nirvana vibe to them where like they just don't want to be there and they make it I mean, kind not of. that they don't want to be there, but I don't know. They're but like also they spend a lot of time like building up like their mystique and like their lyrical concepts, which I don't really understand because I don't <laughs> have that time to do that. Um, and just like they, Tool is kind of built up the whole mystique about them, like they know yeah, what they're doing yeah, and they're yeah, smart yeah. about it. Like so, but there there is also part of them, and especially like Maynard, um, where he's just like, oh, I can't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but there's part of me that also thinks. That they're just doing that to like further build, yeah, the vibe of Tool and like I see you know, Tool's my favorite. Like you don't understand them like I do, like that kind of stuff. I feel like that's a thing that they actively like feel the fire of. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. You know, even if they're also giving off the vibe of we don't care. <laughs> Did you ever uh, follow the Tool page on Facebook? No, it's fucking ridiculous, man. It's just a troll. That's like the really? like. It's like probably that's, that sounds about right. Fifteen percent Tool content, just like eighty five percent just whatever the fuck like <laughs> that sounds like something i don't need to spend any time <laughs> yeah, right. uh, good shit man um get talking about live performances uh you've probably done this the concert circuit quite a bit i would guess like attended yeah live music concerts mm-hmm. oh yeah totally um yeah I, I grew up in cedar falls where there was like a couple of smaller live music venues and that's where I like in my teenage years got into like hard rock and metal music and things like that. And um, but I was into bigger national. I've always been a music guy. Um, and being in Cedar Falls and not having a lot of people around me who were super into the same thing I was, I never went to a lot of shows really, like bigger shows. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward to now, like a lot of my twenties was seeing like some local stuff, being kind of disappointed by local stuff. If there was like one big touring artist a year who came through town, it was like, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> it just didn't happen all that often. Um, but uh, I'm in Des Moines now and have been for four years. And Des Moines is big enough now where we get a lot of national touring acts and it's fantastic. So I've seen like so much live music since I've been in Des Moines. And even then I still feel like I have like proverbial, FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, like, 
I feel like no matter how many times I go to a show, like I try to go to like forty or fifty shows a year. Forty or fifty? Yeah, and I don't feel like that's a lot. Like I feel Holy like that's shit. like not much. Like I got a friend in Minneapolis who used to like document every single show he would go to and he's like, This year I went to hundred and forty shows or something oh like that. God. Like and that's a little too much for me. But like the forty or fifty that I go to so you know, I, I, once a week I'm probably trying to go to something. Yeah. Um, I still feel like, and there's maybe some weeks where I go to like three or four, and then I go like three weeks without anything. But um, I still feel like it's not as much as I would like. So I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, forty, fifty shows. I mean, it would be hard to pick out anything. But do you have any like mem like? Obviously, you just told your story about Tool, but do you have any like super memorable experiences about any other? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. Go, go into it. Uh, Jason Isbell at Hoyt Sherman. Hmm. Uh, that name sounds familiar. I'm not he, okay. He's it's like the alt country genre. He's I mean he's almost okay. more like Americana now than he is anything. But um, he came up with the Drive By Trekkers, who were like a perennial <coughs> southern rock alt country band. They were like twangy shit for people who weren't like terrible hicks. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the stereotype. <laughs> to be yeah. as blunt as I can be. It's that type of music for people who aren't just like Toby Keith, motherfucker. Like, oh my god, yeah, right. You know that, which is the worst, most deplorable type of music on the planet. But uh, that's a whole other topic of conversation. So Jason Isbell came up with those guys, um, but he was he had some substance substance abuse issues. He was only on three albums. He was kind of like their George Harrison. So like two or three times an album, it was his song that he wrote and he sings on, which he's a phenomenal singer, great voice. Hmm. Um, but their other two main guys um, are also singer-songwriters. So it's kind of a, a Beatles-esque thing where, like, you never know who's going to sing song to song, and everybody contributes, and it's just this big collective effort of creative, talented dudes and musicians. And um, So Isbell was just, like, another shot in the arm that they didn't need because they were already awesome. They had this, like, crazy epic album called Southern Rock Opera, which is, like, this epic odyssey of like living in the south growing up somebody that's more liberally inclined mm -hmm. but like being like the not cool kid who's like into rock and roll and like Neil uh, Young and like you know the southern thing as they call it like it's a fascinating world and like somebody who grew up in like small town Iowa which isn't exactly like it's not south at all but like no you can relate to that yeah um, just being somebody that growing up in an environment that I don't identify with at all yeah like, yeah, and, yeah you know um like a staunch, like oppressive environment <laughs> that I don't identify with at all. That's kind of like what the drive by yeah. truckers are for like Southern rock country music is like, we're like liberally inclined or just not what you would expect from us. And we're like intelligent thought provoking people. And that also like to rock and roll and kick ass. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Jason Isbell was a part of that. And then he got essentially unceremoniously removed from the band because he couldn't get his shit together. <laughs> And so then he launched his solo career, which he had tons of songs that he'd been writing forever. Um, and I think his first three albums he was not sober for, which they're great albums. But um, he finally got clean in 2013, his Southeastern album, which is like widely regarded as his best one. And it's just like super depressing, like heartbreaking, but like killer storytelling Americana music. Like it's, it's the fucking best. Damn. And I lost my aversion to twang probably about four years ago when I moved here. And he was a big part of that. And he played at Hoyt Sherman, I think, late 2016. Somewhere in there. Like, I moved here beginning of 2016. And then we went and saw him at Hoyt Sherman. And it was unreal. It's like a top five show for me all time. It's like I'd, I'd been listening to him a lot up to that point. But just, like, the sound there and his, like, emotional intensity 
Mm. And just kind of like this melancholy, like phenomenal music and lyrical content. His voice is fantastic. So Um, everything like fell into place pretty much. Yeah, no, that was like the show that was like, oh, this is like going to be an all time guy for me. And then shortly after, I mean, he's my second favorite artist of all time now. Like, you know, I've only been listening to him for like four years. He's like, I, I reach for him more than I reach for anybody else. So, Damn. and that Hoyt Sherman show was a big part of that. So I've seen a lot of shows in Des Moines that are of like a very memorable variety. But when I moved here, Liz was my girlfriend and a musician. Yep. And so like, I went to a lot of shows of her band and, you know, but she was also a music fan. So we'd go see a lot of stuff and I still try to do that, but now I can't. <laughs> and yeah, I just like music so much. Yeah, um, yeah, I've, you know, it's the thing I've been having a lot of artists on lately, and they've all been saying, you know, they've all been talking about how much this is hurting them, yeah. not being able to perform. That it's sucks. really interesting where that's all going to be over the next couple of years. Yeah, and it, like as a music fan, it's terrible not going to live shows. Like, there's so much shit that has been canceled. Like, so many like festivals, just shows that were coming to town, all of them have just been canceled. Yep. And it's like, hopefully they reschedule. I think we're just calling 2020 a wash. Yeah, right. And maybe in 2021, shit will stabilize and we can reschedule these shows in the same way that they were this year. I, I don't know. You know, not to, not to sidetrack at all, but as you're talking about 2020, uh, this year killed the, fucking, killed the fucking stoners. Killed them. This coronavirus. This was 2020, to be our year. Yeah, right? This was like, <laughs> everything was like so, you know, psychedelically in yep. mind. And we were just... All right, whatever. We're not fucking partying with anyone. This is just a regular day. (laughs) Uh, So Halloween this year is like on a Friday the 13th, and there's like a couple other things. Or not the 13th, sorry. Not Friday the 13th. Obviously, it's the 31st of October. But there's there's like three or four things that are like very specific about this year's Halloween. Maybe it's like a full moon and some other things. Oh, really? I can't. It's, it's a lot. It's not just that. It's like three different things that are like, this Halloween could be awesome, and if we get it canceled, we're all going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and if somebody loves Halloween, like I'm going to be super upset if that just doesn't happen. But, you know, hopefully by October 31st. You would hope. I, I mean, you'd hope, but we haven't been good or responsible about, you know, containing the spread of a virus. And so. It's true. We'll see. Yeah, that's all we can really do at this point. We can just see. Um, this has been a great conversation, but before we get too far into this, I do want to play a little bit of this trailer. Uh, so, okay, so backtracking. Um, so you do a lot of shit. Like, you've done stamp comedy, you bartend, you're just overall a very centric guy. I do a lot. Um, one thing that people might not know about you, just from looking at you, is that you were actually an actor. Yeah. Um, so this movie is called The Moving On Phase. I don't know... We don't know if you're in the trailer, right? I think that I am. You think you are? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I should know this shit, but it's been a minute. Like I saw the trailer when it was released. Okay. And then I haven't watched it since, but I so, like I saw the movie. But I'm like, I bet he's gonna not a propose. main character, oh my but gosh, a, you know, a prominent character in this right. universe. So don't get ahead of yourself. I'm gonna do this. I don't know if this is gonna happen. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. That's We're Piper. At She's the wonderful. Bottle. She's a great lead in this. He's gonna ask. First you. time acting for. Damn! Really? Wow. Which, that's the thing when you make, like, so, micro-budget indie films. I think... You yeah, find, yeah, like, a lot of amateur actors and talent, and some of them take you, some of them don't. Yeah, exactly. There we go, that... Yeah. Pros. Yeah. Pros on the box. Well, I'm single again. 
Now you get to sift through the leftover I've been there, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed we have. There you are. There he is. So, you went home with a girl, and it was Ooh. Connor's date. Ooh. Yeah. Alpha female move. Totally. I just can't believe I went home Damn, with she's a hot. girl. Does that make me It's This is a pretty Nature good like human. female forward movie. Going, guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's Michael. Okay. I'm yep. here to pick up Piper. Is she ready to go? <laughs> That's pretty fun. Oh, my God. That's good. It's like a female forward comedy, but like still kind of clearly made by dudes who maybe don't quite super understand that. I'm just an actor. I was a part of the creative process, so I do write most of my own lines. But no, oh, that uh, that looks really funny. Uh, that I haven't seen. Yeah, so, you watched you watched a couple of them, right? Like the- I watched the one. I think it was Fine Bros on the Ro- or not Fine Bros. Jesus fucking Christ, Bros on the Rocks. Okay. I think that was the one. That would have been number two, and that I, that checks out because that's the one i feel like of the first three like the first so it's a series of movies called bros it's basically about two main dudes i'm not one of them but i'm one of the main characters um you're important supporting yeah yeah actor. yeah I, if i if <laughs> in the oscars world i would <laughs> i would be up for best supporting actor yeah <laughs> uh, not in the slightest but um i mean maybe i'm the best actor in these I, I uh yeah it's a series of micro budget indie films and when we all started doing this we were all just like stand-up comedians that had never made films before like we had some guys that sort of were experienced with camera work like we have a couple guys who work for like kwbl like the news mm-hmm. channel like who were camera guys like so we have a little bit of technical experience but like man just the process of making a movie this was like as indie as it gets and it was just like a bunch of comedians making dumb r-rated comedies like that we thought were fun and so like you know, uh, there's a little bit of... Like, the first one is okay. Um, technically, it was not great. Like, sound-wise, it was, it was really bad. We just didn't know what we were doing. It was all just, like, amateurs, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, that's what you had to do. All of us, it was our first time doing this. Like, whether it was me as an actor, or a certain guy filming a scene, or, like, the guy directing it or writing it. Like, this was our first time for everybody. So that first movie's a little rough. Like, there's some fun stuff in there, but, like... It's like, oh man, all right, we got a long way to go. So the second yep. one, we got so much better equipment. We'd all done it. We kind of had a better feel of the process. Um, but also, we were all stand-up comedians at one point, so we all like performance art was not, you know, performing was not a stretch for any of us. So, but when you're doing a movie, you don't just have the same like four or five people unless it's like a particular like art house type film or something. It's like yep. multiple characters, and so a lot of the characters we got were just like locals that like we knew and or auditioned. That we were like, well, they can remember a line and sound sort of genuine. So we're going to put them in the film because we don't have any other options. Yeah. So. I, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, that is one of the things I want to say that I really appreciate about you guys is that you're using that local Iowa talent. I mean, I don't know what the outreach of your directors who are making these movies are, but I assume it's bigger than what it was when they first started yeah and it's really you know i'm just you, you were pointing out the people in this trailer i assume you know all of them yeah. it's really good that they're keeping in-house i think that's important yeah you know? and, and um so the, the first three movies were all like the, the bros trilogy or whatever um it's kind of like a kevin smith-esque sort of thing and like some people compared our first couple movies to clerks not in quality because <laughs> kevin smith's way better than we could ever try to be but like just like a similar setting of like having recurring characters yeah hanging out and talking and having just like conversations like a lot of these movies are just like me and two other dudes sitting at a bar having a drink talking about 
what the best bowling movie is or what the best <laughs> baseball movie is, you know, like or the best sitcom of all time or like, you know, is Happy Gilmore a golf movie or a hockey movie? Like, you know, it, it's just, it's quintessential, like, Iowa dudes hanging out and existing in life. It's just, yeah. like, people going to bars and hanging out. So it's very indicative of, like, actual, like, 20s and 30s, like, adult males in small-town Iowa. Yeah. It's like, that's just what we do. We go hang out at bars. We talk to our friends. We talk about stupid movies. Like, I, so it's, it's pretty, like, real-life accurate, I think, even though it's a movie, but, like... That was the first three, and then we went in a different direction for the next two, which were a little bit more like romantic comedies, <clears throat> but it was all the same universe. So, like, my character is still there as the same character, as well as a couple other people who are the same character. Like, so it's kind of a it's kind of a Kevin Smith world, recurring characters, that sort of thing. So, okay, yeah. Um, so tell tell us about like your experience with acting, like what goes into all, all that when you're like. When you're working with these guys, you're like doing all these movies. What what's the process? Go more into depth with that, if you will. Um, so we're not like super scripted. <clears throat> we tried a little bit with the second one to be a little more scripted, but <laughs> some of us struggled with that, <laughs> like getting everything down. So we'd like, <clears throat> sorry, we'd show up to a shoot and then like somebody wouldn't have their line memorized, or we'd like be nervous like struggling to remember a line and so it, uh, it's obvious that you can see on that person's face while they're acting like oh I'm trying to recite a line instead of just perform and so um, for me personally uh, I'm relatively good at just kind of improving. like if I have a general outline of the script I feel like I can just kind of work with that and do my own thing and if we do enough takes we will find the goal that we're looking for you know um, it's not hard my character is not like a stretch for me. It's not like, out. like I'm I'm Harold the hipster, which like that's a term that means something different to me. Like me growing up, that term always meant like little skinny assholes with shitty mustaches that only liked things ironically. And those people made me really angry because they liked some of the things that I liked, and I was like, I like this shit genuinely. Like it's not funny to like, you know, I oh, a pavement or the pixies or something. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. These, this shit's great. Like, I love this stuff. Or like, the Nationals, my favorite band. Like, maybe that's like a trendy thing for like ironic people to be like, oh yeah, you're the Nationals. <laughs> like, too popular now, so they couldn't be like a hipster choice. But I, that's what I grew up thinking like a hipster was. So when people started launching that term in me, like I recoiled because I mean that's what I am. Again, opposition defines disorder. Like. Somebody says something that I don't particularly like right off the bat. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> so when he, the director of these movies, which is a guy that I, Don Ternagel, he first gave me the opportunity to do stand-up. He first put me in movies. He's great. We disagree in a lot ideologically and politically. <laughs> but that's fine. He's yeah, great. Exactly. And which you will kind of gather a little bit from these movies. Like you'll hear some jokes here and there where you're like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's a thing, and we could have that conversation at some point if people wanted to, but um, he is a genuinely good dude, even though I don't agree with him a lot of things. He's given a lot of up, a lot of people a lot of opportunities to perform yeah. in scenarios where they otherwise never would have had a chance, and so he deserves the utmost praise and props for that. He's great. Um, awesome. But uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> um, well, regardless, I would love to have all of you guys on the show. Yeah, like, for sure. We could um, probably get a couple people down here, for sure. That, for sure. Um, we were going. We were talking about your in depth, kind of just going into what your process is. So, 
I guess that's so I'm curious. Like that first film, you kind of said it was more freeform. I wouldn't say freeform. Like we had an idea of what we were trying to do. It was just like technologically, we didn't know what we were doing. Like filming, like sound wise, like the sound is really bad in the first one. Like we've had a couple edits to it, and I think maybe it's cleaned up a little bit. But like the sound is rough on some scenes. Like there's just like there's buzzing in the background. It's just like voices yeah. are weird. Like we just didn't have good equipment, and we didn't know what we were doing. So, yeah, yeah, you know. it's you gotta figure it out. You yeah, know? and I think the second movie, which is I think the first one that I showed you, which would make sense because I was like, mm, the first one, mm. the second one, we cleaned up a lot of things. That's what you should watch. Um, I like that movie. Uh, it's fun. I think I felt a little more comfortable in that. Oh, I was talking about hipsters. That's what I was doing. <laughs> My character is not a stretch for me because I get that term launched to me, which makes me kind of recoil a little bit. But I get it. I get it. You know, like I'm. Look at this fucking aesthetic. Like, <laughs> This is not uncommon. I understand. And I'm like, I like fine whiskey and, you know, I'm particular about music and other things. Like, I, and I just like a, a single dude with a beard that has a cat. Like, I get it. Okay. <laughs> other people's definition of that term is different than mine. Because mine was just like growing up with wispy mustache assholes in Cedar Falls that were just like dickheads at bars and would just play like two songs in the jukebox over and over yeah. and over and just like sit in a corner and be like mm, we hate we hate everything <laughs> and only like things ironically that's what I thought a hipster was and so when that term started coming to me I was just like what? I'm a fucking hipster what are you talking about? Like, I've since kind of embraced it a little bit and probably even leaned into it just because what, what are you going to do, you know? If you exactly. If you yeah. can't beat him, just kind of lean into it and make it your own. So when the director asked me to be a character in these movies called Harold the Hipster, I was like, are you <laughs> shitting me, dude? It's funny, though, because he used to call me that all the time, and he was like, and I hated it, and he was so nervous about asking me to play this character. And I was just like, oh, yeah, no, I'd love to, because then I can make it my own. So, like, people think yeah. it's... Uh, we have premieres for these at, like, a theater back home, and, like, inevitably after every showing... Which always go really well, and everybody there is awesome, and people like show up and have a great time and like clap and laugh, and it's mm-hmm. awesome. It's so much fun. Um, it's very like validating to like create this thing, and like it's super weird seeing yourself on a big screen. But then afterwards, people come up and they're like, "Hey, you're really great in that." And it's like, "Oh shit, this is what <laughs> performance art is. This is what like a creative endeavor is." You know, you want that validation, like yeah, yeah. you know. We create for ourselves, but we create it because we want to inspire other people and have something resonate and have people go like, I really liked that. Thank you for bringing me some joy. Fuck yeah, that's what I was trying to do. Anyway, uh, people would come out and be like, that role wasn't really like a stretch for you, was it? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying. Uh, No, it is not a stretch for me. This character is not far from me, but it's like a caricature of me. It's which this is going to be the most hipster thing I'll ever say, but like it's me playing an interpretation of what I think people perceive me as. Like I'm playing who I think they think I am. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that I know that I'm not. Like I'm not that character. But like there's elements of me that are that character, and it's fun to be like, I know what they want out of me, and like filming is super fun because I just sit there and I'm just like in character, and I just like say like snarky super hipster shit the whole time and make people laugh, and filming is really fun and. You know, so that's the acting process for me. I just kind of get into a groove and get into a character, which is not far from me as a person. And I just have fun with it. (laughs) And I just say shit and have a good time. And sometimes that comes out well on camera. So, yeah, I mean, you got to pay, you got to play who you are. 
There's a reason uh, Kevin Spacey is really good at being a creepy guy. <laughs> you know? Turns out he's actually a creep. <laughs> Uh, Which is really too bad because he's like a, he's an unbelievably talented. I know, right? Like, actor. When all that and shit I came just, out, like I grew up loving Kevin Spacey, like American Beauty and like whatever else. Oh like, god, it was great. I love Kevin Spacey, and like, that movie doesn't quite hold up as well. But I loved it when I was like early twenties and like figuring out what I cared about and what I was into. Like American Beauty, like fucked me up. I know. Yeah, yeah. As it did for a lot of people, you know. Even though the Oscars blew a bunch of praise on it, like I think it was big for like weird younger people who like didn't really like understand themselves or their crowd yet like that movie kind of like hit home in a way that i don't even know if i could describe yeah it was really like because there's some there's some misfits in the movie who like kind of find each other that exactly don't really resonate with people outside of that those that very private interaction and so you know well uh, for those who haven't seen the movie it's it's a uh analysis on like white suburban life so but you know white I, suburban people who maybe don't super fit into that but are a part of it and struggle with that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, I mean, that theme alone, I mean, that, that's that got to resonate with so many people. Yeah. That there's a certain mold when you, you know, regardless of what, you know, political spectrum or whatever spectrum you're thinking of, there's a certain way of life that might be, there are certain people who might want you to fit that mold. Sure. And there are a lot of people who are going to say, no, you know, fuck you. I want to, I want to do my own thing. And that's definitely a part of American Beauty and Kevin Spacey's character. Yeah. And him being like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. It's, uh, what does he say? Like, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to discover you still have the ability to surprise yourself. Or what, yeah, whatever, yeah, something you know. like that. Yeah. And, and again, there's things about that movie that don't hold up super well, and he's kind of a creep in it, and it turns out Kevin Spacey's actually a creep and a predator, <laughs> and that is unfortunate, and he is canceled, and that is good. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh... Yeah. I Have you seen his like creepy Christmas videos that he puts out? He no. does these like. <laughs> okay, we gotta watch this. Uh, the only like actor doing like a really creepy like home video thing I can remember is like Jim Carrey when he did that video that was like him telling Emma Stone he's in love with her. Oh, okay. Which I actually kind of enjoyed because I'm also in love with Emma Stone, so I totally get it, but because <laughs> she's fucking phenomenal. So the whole thing is he put this video out. I think, like, I, I could be misremembering this, but I think he put this video out the day after his third victim killed himself. <laughs> so, that's that three people? Yeah, I think it was... Oh, my God, I didn't even know that. Like Three people. I know, like, I knew somebody personally. Well, you know what, actually... That's weird. We don't need to go into that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. We but uh, There's a guy back home that was a DJ, a radio DJ for a long time, um, and he was really awesome. And he had a really like unpleasant experience with Kevin Spacey that he ended up talking about. Well, not to make shit too dark, but that yeah, person okay. Has so actually... in like the most anonymous, ungeneral terms, can you describe? I, I'm just honestly really curious. It was a weird bathroom experience. Or Kevin Spacey was like super creepy to him, and um, so this person was awesome. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say him by name, just in case people don't like. No, I don't know, I... but he was really great. But he was also like on a couple movies of ours. Um, he did some voice stuff. And also, like, I knew him in my mid-twenties. Like, I met him a few times, and, like, I would call into his rodeo station, and he, like, knew me, and we'd, like, chat some, and I'd, like, request songs and whatever else, and tell him to stop playing so much Foreigner. And, like, <laughs> he was really awesome, and he was, like, a super talented, like, 
charismatic dude with a phenomenal voice and like he also had really bad depression and he killed himself and it fucking sucks and um also he had a shitty interaction with kevin spacey so maybe it's four people i I mean probably more than that and he 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 talked about it in a way that was like he was he was weirded out by that interaction but like that was not the thing that like caused him to end up being where he was at he had really bad depression and it just there was a whole lot of factors and but he did have a really unpleasant interaction with kevin spacey and he's no longer That's alive really so fucking weird kevin spacey's canceled fuck that guy i don't care yeah, how tall yeah, he yeah. Is. like <laughs> but i mean it's like you said it is really sad because i i do like even this day like i like to watch back on those movies and be like that's fucking great he's acting. so talented he's such a great actor and performer and he's such a predator piece <laughs> of shit and that sucks. But, like, also a lot of creative types are fucking troubled. And, like, exactly. And I'm not saying that he's troubled and, like, apologizing for his actions. Like, that dude made his choices and he's a predator. Exactly. And it's not okay at all. It's like um, Weinstein, you know? Like, they produce some great oh fucking God. movies. So many good movies. Like, <laughs> so many fucking But, like, those weren't his creative productions, though. So it's like. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, the term is, like, cancel culture or whatever. And yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like, it should be that. Like, if you are a predator, you're done. Like, Louis C.K., who's, like, one of the most brilliant, innovative relevant comedians and writers and performers of our fucking time is also a predator sorry dude you canceled get the fuck out until you can figure your shit out and atone for it and he hasn't atoned for it and so nothing he's going to do is going to be relevant until then so yeah. well this is a uh, not to go super hard into that no, stuff, but <laughs> as a performer in the comedian world and whatever else like that shit's Here. important to me so you don't want to put in the headphones okay. for this yeah you gotta listen to this shit, man. This is so he, I yeah. He put this out. I think it was Christmas of last year, or yeah. You didn't really think I was gonna miss the opportunity to wish you a merry Christmas, did you? Why is he doing a weird pretty voice? good year? <laughs> He's trying to do his like Frank character from House of Cards. And in oh. light of that, I've made some changes in my life, and I'd like to invite you to join me. As we walk into 2020, made some changes. I want to cast my vote for abusing people. More good in this world. Ah, yes, I know what you're thinking. Can he be serious? I'm dead serious. And it's not that hard, trust me. The next time someone does something you don't like, you can go on the attack, but you can also hold your fire and do the unexpected. You can. Like, make a really off-base, terrible video. uh, You didn't hear that. He said, okay, so... Kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness is what he said. Like, he put this out the day after that fucking... (laughs) What the fuck? He has that stupid-ass music at the end. (laughs) Oh, boy, that's... um... I really, I really shouldn't be laughing because it's like no, know. it's fine. It's it's okay to see humor in tragedy. Like how else do we get through shit? Yeah, like, in, a, yeah. in in our particular it's world where there's a lot of like heavy hard shit to deal with on a daily basis, it's like if you can't laugh at stuff, like what are you gonna do? You know, that's baffling. That's one of the most off base, off putting things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I've made some changes in my life. Here, uh, here at the McAllister Hours, Jay Bash is having a. I think we need another whiskey. What do you think? Uh, sure. <laughs> It'll maybe slow down my rapid form of speech that I currently have going. Oh no, you're good, man. It's uh, I tell everybody that comes on the podcast; they're always so worried. They're like, 
what if I talk too much? Am I interesting? Like, dude, it doesn't fucking matter. We're we're here chilling. We're here like content. Content's about talking. When I'm at work and I'm at work and I'm listening to a podcast, I want to hear people talk. Totally. I mean, I that's, that's what a podcast is: is conversation and listening to people talking about things that you find interesting. So, hopefully, we've done that. <laughs> but I haven't had much human interaction outside of work and like the one person that I've spent a lot of time of quarantine with. So, like. I don't necessarily know how to be like here. I mean, not that there's a room of people, but like here's yeah, a room yeah, of yeah. people. How do I talk to them? How do I be in character? How do I speak phonetically? Am I pleasing right now, or am I speaking a thousand miles a second, words a second, and need to slow down? You've been good. I I think you've been great. Because um, this whiskey has not slowed me down. It's only sped me up. Which again speaks to my stupid tolerance. I hate it. It's not a brag. It it sucks. Keep a low tolerance. It's so much cheaper, so much more enjoyable. Um, so kind of on that basis of like, not really with it, but like tolerance. Um, while you get to this, I'm gonna light some shit. But uh, we were kind of talking earlier. We were talking a little bit about like you. You recently got into uh, mushrooms. Oh yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I have a weird history with uh, uh, anything not alcohol, which. Alcohol is the one thing that I kind of like adapted to relatively well because I just kind of like eased into it. It took a long time for me to find something I enjoyed. So I never had experiences of just like, you know, slamming (laughs) Hawkeye vodka or whatever else and, (laughs) you know, getting fucked up and like puking and just having these like debauchery. So I think I just, I eased into it because I had that like spite of people thought I was doing this and I wasn't. So I'm going to do it at my own pace and on my own terms. You know, I didn't. Like, my 21st birthday, I got fucked up, but it was in a scenario that I wanted to be in, because I went to a house party, mm-hmm. and I, like, invited the people and, like, drank what I wanted to drink. And, like, yeah, I drank too much and puked, but I, like, I rallied, and I came back out and had a great time. So, like, I've always been <laughs> super fucking spiteful in, like, in that way where it needs to be my, on my terms and in a way that I want to do it. So, um, I've had not great experiences uh, with weed. It just doesn't work for me. Like, I get too anxious. I had bad experiences early on. Like, there was one time I, a friend of mine, the second time I ever smoked weed, my friend had this, like, crazy strong shit from Colorado, which this was when I was 19, so six years ago. Damn. 16 years ago. Holy shit. And he had chronic back problems, so he'd been smoking forever and was a little bit older than me, so he got stuff from states where, like, okay, yeah, so was you could it medical? get good stuff. Yeah, totally. Damn. Like, 16 years ago, medical grade in Iowa, that was not a thing. Like, yeah, no, no, you know, no, no. He had friends finding ditch weed or like something that would get you close to where you wanted to be like um but he had super strong shit and it was the second time i ever smoked and i took like two hits from a fucking pipe and the room spun and i passed out like i fucking fainted oh my god yeah so as a 19 year old exploring this shit for the first time i'm like what was that it was not ideal at all that's a super unique situation and i just like hadn't had experience with it prior and so were you drinking beforehand? Not really, no, because I just didn't really drink much then either. Hmm. So oh, yeah, it was you like, said that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get high or drunk in my life till I was 19. Damn. Yeah, I, same here. Because I had moved out, and that was when I was like, all right, I proved to them that I didn't do that shit, and now I can. So I'm going to on my own terms. So Exact same story here. Yeah. Like, exactly. Um, so that was my first experience, um, or second experience, technically. Um, uh, so I just had bad times with it, and then like, just kind of stayed away from it but then like 
early 20s, I kind of dove back in a little bit and just didn't have a great time and too much anxiety and I didn't enjoy it. So I've just never had a lot of great experiences being high. Um, if friends had like light, mild opiates, that would be enjoyable. Um, I, I mean, I had some friends that like went pretty hard with some shit, like in my mid to late twenties, like, you know, finding, uh, methadone and like snorting that shit, you know, like just Holy shit. putting shit in the dome, having a good time. Like friends that liked Coke, which I've never done because I'm already super no, high energy no. and like heart racing. And like, there's no way I can't even do Adderall. Like I did, I swallowed a Adderall pill one time and thought I was going to have a heart attack. Like <laughs> I'm never going to do cocaine. Yeah, um, me neither. I never. I just know I wouldn't be able to handle it. I would be anxious as fuck, which anxiety is a big part of my life, and so that's why I've always had a healthy fear of drugs. So, um, yeah, I so I never ate any mushrooms until the beginning of quarantine. Two weeks in. Wait, you had never taken no. mushrooms until then? No. Nope. Holy shit! Ever. Two months ago was the first time I ever ate mushrooms in my life. Oh my god! It's a thirty-five-year-old. Uh, I also haven't smoked in seven years because I lived with my best friend in 2013 and he's a habitual pothead but that was like a scenario where I felt comfortable doing that and like my anxiety could be a little lesser and I could like sort of enjoy the high so we would just like like that was my one year of college and like I was supposed to be working on finals like December 2012 I think yeah December 2012 was supposed to be like working on finals (laughs) I was just like getting high and watching the entirety of the office (laughs) Like, with my best friend. Like, it was awesome. It was so good. I wouldn't trade that for anything. It was so much fun. And it was, like, a scenario where I could enjoy something that a lot of other people do that I haven't really been able to. So Yeah. Um, but I haven't since then. Since him and I stopped living together, I haven't touched it because I can't. It just, it's too much anxiety. It doesn't, I don't enjoy it. Um, so, like, week two of quarantine, uh, I was having drinks with a neighbor in my apartment building downtown, um, Slash sort of co-worker of mine. Same company. Different bar. Um, and we were shotgunning beers. Which I haven't done in a long time. But I had a friend send me a video. Alright, sure. We're going to dive into this. A friend, for some reason, sent me a video of him like in this stupid vest. Like with sunglasses and like a bandana on. And he had on the song, You're the Best, around from like Karate Kid. <laughs> and he was like doing this fucking dance. And he like cracked open a fucking beer and shotgunned it and sent me this video on like Snapchat and there's a lot like during quarantine there's been a lot of like see a chug send a chug videos things like that oh I'm, I'm not familiar oh with man that. it's stupid I'm like I'm 35 I'm not gonna send you a chug <laughs> video I'll just make a Manhattan and cheers you and drink it which I assure you is gonna get me just as fucked up as your shotgun well not anyway um not me cause it takes like five of those but whatever uh and I was already, like, a little drunk at that time. And I was like, man, he really committed to that video. I feel like I have to send him one back. So, so I put on, like, this denim jacket and some fucking sunglasses and put on Simply the Best from Tina Turner and shotgun to PBR. Which I hadn't done forever. I think I saw that. Well, I don't know if it was that one, but I saw you doing that on Snapchat, like, well, a month ago. Possibly. So I did a couple of those. And then posted it. And then my neighbor who lives two floors below me was like, oh my god, you're shotgunning beers? I'm coming up. We're doing another. <laughs> so I did. And then she came up in this like weird-ass costume with like butterfly wings. She's like a total like 
kind of stoner hippie chick. She's awesome. She's great. Um, and super chill. And she's like offered to like let me enjoy extracurriculars with her before. Like, you know, if you ever want to smoke again, we could do it here. It'd be super chill. If you freak out, I got you. It's okay. Like, um, and I've never really taken her up on that, but it, that would be a good setting for me to do that. It's my building. My apartment's right up there. Like, it'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, she's awesome. So she came up and was like, let's do more. So we sent this other stupid-ass video where I have this bee suit, <laughs> this fat bee suit, which I've used for comedy before, this video of it. It's a whole other story. But I put that on and cranked Simp with the Best, and we shotgun beers and sent this video out to everybody. <laughs> but also we did a bunch of takes. So like we shotgun probably like three or four beers. Because that's me being, like, the performance artist and, like, need to, like, have things where I want it to be <laughs> to share with others. And I was like, all right, three to four beers in. This video's good. Let's send it. Fuck it. So, multiple beers shotgunned and uh, full-on party mode. And my neighbor and friend goes, you want to go back to my place and eat some mushrooms? <laughs> and I went, you know what? I would. <laughs> I was kind of frustrated. I've been getting getting frustrated the last six months of like the only thing I can do to like enjoy like a buzz is to drink. And I feel like I do too much of that. Even though I'm enjoying it, I'm not drinking to drown. I just feel like it's not healthy for me to drink as much as I drink. But I fucking love it. And so I'm like, I already ate food. I don't care that it's 1 p.m. I'm going to make a whiskey drink. It's fine. I already ate. It's okay. I'm doing this because I want to, not because I need to get drunk. But it'd be nice to enjoy something else that is like an experience or an extracurricular activity of some kind, you know? So I'd thought about mushrooms before, but I never did it because it's very environmentally specific. Yes. Like Extreme. you have to be in the right scenario or else it can go bad. And me knowing my anxiety and how it is with getting high, I'm like, well, I just know I'm going to create a bad environment for myself, like before it even starts. So it's just not going to go well, but I was drunk enough and didn't care. And she was awesome is awesome. And so we just like, I ate, like just a piece of a mushroom, just one piece, which is all I needed to do. And we watched like across the universe a couple times and I lost track of time and I laughed my ass off and it was amazing. And that was it. Damn. I didn't Damn. even go like to the trip stage. Cause that's the cool thing about mushrooms is you can kind of control it. You don't have to just like, like, a lot of people fuck up because they eat, like, a handful because they think that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It's like, no, nah, man, I just ate a piece, and then I had, like, a really great high. And I didn't experience much of, the, much of the trip aspect, which is sometimes kind of, like, revelatory for people. They, like, have, like, a profound, like, psychedelic trip experience, and they're like, holy shit, that was amazing, and I, like, know so much more things about myself, and, like, my anxiety is so much lower now, which that's a thing. That can yep, be a thing. Yeah, that, that's happened to you me know? personally. Yeah, like, the, the microdosing thing, like, I'm kind of, like, experimenting with that a little bit. But also, I'm just, like, eating mushrooms to just, like, enjoy a high, which is yeah, not something yeah, I've been yeah. able to do for a long time. Um, so if I spend some time in my apartment by myself, which I do a lot of, I'm like, you know what would be really great about this experience for the next, like, 12 hours? If I could be high for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm going to eat a piece of mushroom or two and have a good time. And uh, and I do think it helps with anxiety some. Like, I feel like I've woken up the next day. Like, I drink while I'm having this experience. See, and that, like, to me, like, that, like drinking and psychedelics has never like been like gone well really? for me and like i haven't really heard a lot of people that going well for so it's really surprising for me to like hear that like you were fucking drinking 
And then you and took mushrooms. mushrooms. Yeah. And then you were like, fine. And it, you, and it I, went wonderfully. Like, yeah. It went so well. But again, I think it's because I just ate like a piece. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you chew the ship, you chew the shit out of the cap. That's kind of the important part. And like, um, but I, yeah, I just did that. And then like half hour to an hour in started to kind of feel it. And then we just like giggled our asses off. Like I was cry laughing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even know why. You always cry. The first time you trip, you cry every time. <laughs> every time. But like, because you're laughing so hard. Yeah. That's yeah. why. It was amazing. And I was just like, and as again, as a 35-year-old who hasn't been able to get high in over seven years, <laughs> you can imagine my like astonishment at like just sitting there like cry laughing and like screaming at my friend like, why are we laughing? And she goes, I don't know. And then we just keep laughing. Like that's what a high should be. It's so much fun. It's so like just nice to like not feel anxiety yep. just be like calm and enjoying your surroundings and like that's what a high should be and i hadn't experienced that in so long and so i was just like holy shit i can eat mushrooms that's amazing and so i've uh that was like two weeks into quarantine so like right around april 1st maybe slightly before that damn and then like i've uh, obtained some sense and have eaten a fair amount of them i probably try it once or twice a week Fuck, there you go. Two varying degrees, like, because uh, I, I mean, I work three days a week at my bar in our current weird setting, and then I spend a lot of time at home. So, uh, a couple times I have somebody that I spend time with, a couple times I am by myself. And when I'm by myself, I'm like, I'm going to eat a piece of mushroom, piece of a mushroom, and then like watch some old ass wrestling and get weird and have fun. So, you're just microdosing every time. You pretty much. Like... Pretty much. Yep. Um, I haven't really experienced a lot of like, a full-on trip. They say, like, so... It's been so fucking long since I've taken... I have had a horrible time on mushrooms. Like, I, yeah. I'm i more of a LSD proprietor. Sure. Which, which I've thought about. Like, I, I'm i so not in tune with drug culture because I just haven't been around it. So I didn't mm-hmm. even... I didn't even know that, like, LSD and acid were, like, the same thing. <laughs> and that, like, it's basically a natural thing. And it's not, like, this... I... I I don't know these things because I haven't really yeah, been around yeah. it and I never partook because I just like such had a healthy fear of heavier shit growing up mm-hmm. and I just never bothered with it. I never learned about it. Like I know everything about alcohol and nothing about <laughs> drugs. <laughs> um, psychedelics, like it, it, I feel like it, and obviously you experienced that with, the, with mushrooms, but you gotta try it a couple times. You gotta like kind of get into it, you know? Sure. Like the pe- the people that have the bad time tripping are the people who aren't able to like tune into that you know what i mean yeah people who maybe be drinking a lot and then like you give them acid and they have like the worst fucking experience they've ever had it's like well, well yeah you know what they were getting into and they just said fuck it and they just like dove way into it like, way into it. i feel good about it my first time because i was just like i'm just eating a piece of a mushroom it's fine like and yeah. that's what i realized afterwards is nice about mushrooms is that you're not just gonna you don't have to just like eat a shitload of them and have a crazy trip no and like fuck no. your world up you can just kind of ease into it there are phases of highs with mushrooms there is just a high, and there there is a trip. Yeah, I haven't done much of the trip. I've like had a couple scenarios where like my environment started to shift, and where like somebody's face started to look different than it normally does. <laughs> like I've had a little bit of that, but nothing too profound that has like fucked me up yet. I've mostly just experienced the high of just like whatever I'm doing is intensified mm-hmm. in a positive way. And it's really nice and enjoyable. And I can let anxiety go and just like lean into something and laugh and have a good time. Which is what a lot of people do by smoking, but I can't do that. And so for mushrooms, mushrooms has your... been kind of that for me. That, Even though that's great. There's a whole other level of it that I haven't experienced yet. And I'm like slowly trying to work up to that to maybe like 
try to have like some real trips and see what happens. But see, I'm gonna give you an applause. I really congratulate you. No, no, really. You like, I tell people about psychedelics, and like 95% of the time they're so freaked out. They're like, psychedelics? Like, you take LSD by yourself, right. and you like hang out? What the fuck is wrong with you? People are a little alarmed that I do mushrooms by myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, people who do mushrooms are like, you just eat those by yourself? I'm like, fuck yeah. But like, yeah, it's I, great. But like, I love my apartment, and I love my environment, and like, it's my space, and it's just me and my cat, and I just like, I love spending time by myself. So, like, that's not a stretch for me to. Have that be a positive environment where I do something that your environment is so dependent See, upon what you're doing. You like, should really, you should try acid. I think that I should. Like I, I've thought about it a little bit since I've started being able to. The first time you should have someone with you, but like I yeah. think that's something that you could like. Well, and that's probably something with my neighbor who's like probably done a fair amount of that <laughs> and knows that kind of stuff. Like I, she'd be somebody that would be really good to do that with. And if I started yeah, like going yeah. off the rails a little bit, she'd be like, "Yeah, this is fine," and I would trust her, and it'd be okay. Like environment is so important so well and you know because that's the thing about lsd and you were just you were just talking about like how people use psychedelics to calm or combat anxiety yeah that's been for me personally um because when you take acid like i always tell people like when you take acid you will ex- you will experience anxiety it's not something that like might happen may possibly happen you are going to experience it you're gonna have a come up your entire chest is gonna be tight and you're gonna feel like you're fucking shooting through a rocket ship the like point isn't early, that you're early on and early on after. Um, I'd say like it? within the first couple hours. Okay, like, like before you're like experiencing like the high. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like the, the come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, come up exactly. Um, but, you know, I tell people like that's that's like the that's like the whole part of the experience. Like LSD is, you know, I I've learned you know you combat the anxiety. You're coming up and you're freaking out, but if you're like really someone who can like just check off from it and be like okay you're just tripping you've taken a drug you need to calm down and just right and if you can do that while tripping if you can do that while on LSD fucking like skyrocketing like shooting out of your body if you can have that experience and fucking calm down you can do that in life okay I'm a huge believer in that nice well and there's been a lot of studies about microdosing specifically with mushrooms and I have a couple friends that I've talked to a little bit about it who Actually, don't even. I have one friend who doesn't even microdose. She just like straight up like trips. She's like, I just lean into it. I just swallow a handful and I fucking trip. Well, actually, she brews like a kombucha like tea kind of thing that she Ooh, really? puts it with, and she just like see has like full on like profound. Like I've seen videos. <laughs> it's like as a sober person, you're like, oh my god, you're so high. But like she's having such a profound experience, and like she's somebody who has experienced a lot of anxiety in life, and attention deficit and other things and like she's like this has helped me so much when i'm sober damn she just feels like she's so much like calmer and able to experience joy and just like not feeling anxiety in life and like so i've talked to somebody personally who has experimented with mushrooms as like a form of uh treating anxiety and she's had like profound fantastic experience like improving it and so that's somebody that's something that i it resonates with me that i want to explore a little bit so well, you don't have to give her a name, obviously, but I would love to visit, take a visit to uh, this friend of yours. <laughs> we we should, uh, you know, because that's kind of the thing. Uh, I've taken LSD like probably I was gonna say around fifteen times in my really? life at this okay. point, like a lot. Um, like the six months before I got divorced, especially, I took a lot of LSD. Um, so I would definitely be down to try. Like the thing for me with mushrooms is like when I'm taking mushrooms, it's like a distant kind of look. 
like people look distant like and it's like it's like ominous and like okay. uh, weird and creepy to me i get that my uh, let's see i i ate i ate a single small piece of a mushroom yesterday and i had kind of like a little bit of a high in the afternoon and then like i went out with the person i've been spending time with we went to my bar and had a couple drinks outside and i was yeah. like don't tell people you're high. Don't tell people you're high. It's fine. It's fine. Because <laughs> like, if I get drunk or high, I like to tell people. I'm one of those people. Yeah, yeah, I it's do obnoxious. that too. Like, I'm just like, hey guys, I ate some mushrooms a little bit ago. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really hard for me not to do that. And so, like, I told one person, my coworker, who was the one working at the time when we showed up, it's like, hey man, I ate mushrooms. How's your guys' day? <laughs> but then multiple people showed up outside after that. And I didn't tell any of them. And yeah, I feel really yeah. proud of. That. I was also coming down. I just ate like a small piece, and I didn't like have anything too profound from it. So I was kind of coming down a little bit, but like every so often, I'd be like, "Oh God, what time is it?" <laughs> like, and that's how you know. Like, <laughs> that's the thing about mushrooms. I've learned is like time is just like. Yeah, that, that's tripping gone. in general. Same thing yeah, cells. Totally, totally, yeah. and, that, and that's like fun for me because I'm always so like, I have like proverbial FOMO as I mentioned earlier. Like I just feel yep, like I'm. Yep. Uh, missing out on something like i don't sleep much because i'm just like i could sleep another hour or i could get up and like listen to an album or like watch a movie or like play a game or do something that brings me joy that i love huh. and so so i don't really like sleeping and um mushrooms is fun because you just kind of lose concept of time and that is something that causes me anxiety so again it's something that lowers my anxiety so yeah see that and that was the thing like the first time i ever tripped that's the thing that freaked me the fuck out is because I was constantly looking at my cell phone, looking at the amount of time that was going by yeah. and like realizing like, right, you know, because the first time you trip, it's it seems like it's going so fucking slow. So you're like, oh, my God, I just felt like I lived an hour and it's only been a it's, fucking minute. Yeah. Like, you know, or flip side, I feel like we just started doing this and it's been seven hours. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Like, but like, you're fine with it. Like at that, if you're experiencing that level of like discrepancy like at that point you're like god whatever that's fine yeah i just had yeah. a blast even though i feel like that time's already gone but i think know. it's not like that first that first time you take acid it's a really common thought for people to have like is this gonna be forever right you know what i mean right. and like for me my first time for some reason that like really was just like fuck with me but then you take then you know you wake up the next day and you're like oh i'm not tripping okay and i feel I'll fine be, and like yeah. my couple times like and again i drink a little bit when i do mushrooms um and it was like the first time I did mushrooms. I was fucking drunk by the time I ate the mushrooms, <laughs> and I still had like a crazy good high and just like laughed my ass off and had a blast. So, um, which is so profoundly opposite. It's just like polar opposite of my experience with drugs. Just like which is not good. Like so to be able to like have that chill and enjoyable of a high, even though I was already fucked up. Like God, it's just like I can't even express like the relief. That's so that important. I feel you know? about my ability to like do something. And have, like, an experience from it, you know? Like, I, that's not just, like, drinking and getting a buzz. Which yeah. is, at this point in my life, it's just, like, it's not even anything profound at all. It's just, like, something I do because I like it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, yeah. like, exp I don't, like, drink something and experience anything profound. I'm just, like, this whiskey's delicious. That's my experience. See, uh, like, I don't learn anything from it, you know? Like, getting high, you can learn things from. Yeah, yeah, Or, like, yeah, lower yeah. your anxiety or, like, have an experience. Like, I can't do that drinking anymore. Like, I just, I've done too much of it. There's nothing, like... 
exceptional yeah. about it. It's just like a thing I do. So I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of even get the same way with pot. You know, you get to the point where you're just like, I'm just breathing, basically. You know, totally. And, <laughs> and I have many. I have so many like habitual pothead friends who are just like that's just what they do, and it's like it's a it's like a it's an anxiety med essentially. Yep. It's just like something they take every day that like keeps them where they want to be. So. It keeps you level ground, and you know, like, just contrary to like Xanax and a lot of things sure. that people are described, it doesn't have that like. I mean, it's numbing in a way, but you're not. You're still alert. You can still go working. You still do things. At least in my experience. Yeah. Um, no, it's fucking crazy, man. Uh, it's been a good conversation so far. Yeah. I say we take a little quick break. Sure. I'm thinking about toilet <laughs> right now. Fair enough. Currently, and I'm thinking about um, whiskey. So. Oh, there you go. Let's um, take a break and reconvene. Yes, take a break. We'll be right back in just a little bit, folks. All right, stay tuned. All right, everybody, and we are back with Jay Bash. Yes. Present. Present. At least mostly. Mostly accounted for. Mostly present. <laughs> which is my general state of being. Most of our brains are here. A little bit <clears throat> might be lost in the clouds a little bit, but that's okay. A little bit in the bottle, but whatever. A little more over halfway. I'm fine. Though, again, I really did only eat like a half a grilled cheese. Yeah, yeah. That, so uh, that's going to be like the only way that I know that my tolerance is going to shift and be shitty is if I don't eat much, which I always like it was my rules for my two rules before or for quarantine were food before booze. Like even if I start drinking at noon, that's fine as long as I had breakfast. <laughs> it's a day I'm not working. Like whatever. I don't care. Like, yeah, maybe I'll make a Manhattan at 12 o'clock or crack open some kick ass beer I've been wanting to drink like. As long as I eat ahead of time, it's fine. Food before booze and clean up whatever tragedy happened the night before the next day. So, like, I run my dishwasher or, like, do some laundry and, like, make sure that I, like, fold it and put it away and things like that, you know? Like, yeah, just simple yeah. little, like, routine things that make me make sure that I'm, like, keeping my shit together. Even though I'm kind of, like, living, like, a weird life of fuck it. I can do whatever I want every day and I love it. <laughs> and I'm kind of leaning into it. But as long as I'm not getting messy with it or like getting super like depression den or like not taking care of myself and my environment or my cat you know like yeah yeah that's yeah. how i know things would be going south but i have very strict principles during this time that allow me to do whatever i want while still keeping my shit together relatively well so yeah uh one thing i've always admired about you is you're very like i don't know what the fuck that was that was weird um you've always like you're always like very self-conscious about yourself i feel like I'm cripplingly self-aware. <laughs> like, it's awful. Like I, I, I'm, I'm glad for it and I'm thankful for it, especially like in the service industry or like in whatever other walks of life where you see people do something that's just so unbelievably that la just lacks self-awareness. Yeah. Like somebody does something that so clearly affects other people negatively. And I'm like, how do you not even realize that? Like, how do you not know what you're doing right now? Like, it just baffles me. Like, so I'm, I'm really glad that I employ such a high level of self-awareness because I'm, and it's part of like the empath thing, like a hyper empath thing in my case. Like I just, I'm so aware of how everything around me feels yeah. and how I affect other people that like I, everything I'm doing is so calculated because I know that I'm, trying to not affect people in a negative way. And so it could sometimes hinder me, sometimes cripples me. Other times I'm thankful for it. More times than not, I'm thankful for it. But it could be tricky. Hmm. But there, I think there's a lot of, like, especially, like, an American culture of just, like, you know, 
no empathy, no compassion. <laughs> Just people being like, "Yeah, it's America. Figure it out, or fuck you, and move elsewhere." Like. Well, that's a perfect segue into uh, we we were just talking about this a little bit PC culture. Yeah. I don't know. We we can get into that. I don't know how you feel. Uh, I think this might be a point where you and I might disagree a little bit. Maybe, but. maybe. And and I think there's like not. And I don't mean this as like as a critique in the slightest. I think you're a little bit more conservative than I am. I'm yep, a little no. bit more. <laughs> I'll admit it any fucking day. And I think know? it. And it's not necessarily like. Like a Christian conservative thing, which again we've talked about maybe covering like an atheism sort of topic too. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's not really in that way. It's just like you tend to be a little bit more conservatively inclined, which there is nothing wrong with at all. I tend to be a little bit more liberally inclined. I, I appreciate that. But um, what what matters is when somebody's conservative views start being socially conservative, which in our culture means oppressive towards people who aren't like me, <laughs> and you are not that way. And so like that's not that's not a thing at all. So well, I appreciate um, that. So I. But I feel like I still have to say, like, when I say I feel like you're a bit more conservative than me, I don't mean that negatively. I just mean... No, and I really do appreciate that. Because there are others who are more liberally inclined who would be like, you're more conservative than yeah, right? you fucking asshole. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and I, I deal with that a lot. Um, yeah. This is something, like, especially among my age group. Yeah, totally. Uh, there are a lot of people who are very liberal. Yeah, yeah. for sure, and, for sure. And I'm, and I'm glad for that trend, but, like, there's also that part of, like, you guys are young, and while you think that you're being socially liberal, which is good... You're also being assholes to people, which makes you no different than others. Like maybe you're not being oppressive towards certain minorities or whatever else, but like you're still being shitty to other people. So See, like, I appreciate that you can acknowledge <laughs> that. Yeah. You know, well, I'm fucking old and. Just... <laughs> um, but a yeah, weird, it... a weird upbringing and a weird place that life has kind of brought me. So I feel like I have good perspective on those things and like how people are to each other and like yeah as a hyper empath i just like feel other people shit all the time and i'm just like you're being shitty to that person and you don't even realize it right now like but and i don't even know if they do but i feel what they're feeling even if they don't know they're feeling it yeah no it's like when i, when I talk to people my age and i tell them yeah i'm a conservative libertarian yeah first they're usually like okay what the fuck is that yeah. <laughs> well and the other part of that is like when i kind of came out of like my what I felt was an oppressive upbringing um, and decided I wanted to be like politically knowledgeable in some way, like libertarianism and some of those beliefs are things that I like latched onto a little bit first. So like, I can understand that even though I'm not, I don't, that's not part of my belief system now at all. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to it. I get it. I understand it. It's not what I believe, but I understand somebody believing that. And so, yeah. And I, that's why I appreciate having you on is because th I think we have that understanding is that even though we may not, agree on a lot of right. things we're kind of have that same baseline where what we really want is we want things to be better yeah we totally. want people's lives to be well, better and we want i think the biggest part of our culture that sucks is that like we can't have a discussion if you're from differing backgrounds yep like, exactly it's so we're in such a fucking toxic society right now that people like can't even have a civil conversation and disagree like you can't disagree on one thing without somebody being like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you can just see it in their face like and part of it's social media where, like, there's no repercussions for things you say. Like, that's a, I think there's, like, that's such a fascinating, like, thing that you could dive into and study of just, like, how social media has changed, how we interact. Yeah. And, like, if you don't have to look somebody in the eye when you say something, like, you lose that part of yourself that's, like, how might I be affecting this person? And you don't see the reaction visually. And mm -hmm. so it's just, like, well, I don't really care because I don't know how they're going to react, so I'm just going to be an asshole. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's outrage culture, whatever else, like whatever you want to call it, like that's the culture we're living in, 
It's social media. There's no repercussions for things that you say. Yeah. And I don't mean to sidetrack, but I, I think there is something that goes into, like, the ability to block people. I think... The what? Yeah, like, the ability to block people on social media. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I think that, like... I understand the intended use, but I think that in some ways can be detrimental to, like, having an open discussion. Do you know what I I've understand? Never, I've unfriended one person, and I've never unblocked anybody. Or never blocked anybody. And I've yeah. only unfriended one person in my entire, like, 10-plus wow. years on social media. Um, and I'm somebody who grew up, again, in a much more Christian conservative environment. And so I still have a lot of people on my friend group that, um, and family and otherwise who are way more conservatively inclined. Like, I... Having a uh, family member, and I'm not going to go any more specific than that, but they That's posted fine. a thing recently that was like, whether you agree or disagree with him, pray for our president during these times. <laughs> and it was a really weird drawing of like Donald Trump on his knees <laughs> with Jesus, like with his hand on his head. I've seen stuff like that. It's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry about your red line there. Uh, what no, the no, fuck? No. What the fuck is that? Like, that's so baffling to me, but like, I'm just not going to like, I can, so what I'm, why I'm saying this is that I am aware of so many different belief systems and I'm never going to like shit on them. I'm never going to like harass that person or treat them like garbage because they feel differently than I do. And that is the problem in our culture is that people don't do that. Yeah. Like I'm not painting myself as somebody who's better than other people. I'm not. I've struggled with shit all the time, but like the ability to um, communicate with people who believe differently than you and not become outraged by that. That's essential. Is a fucking essential... Like, it's a skill. Like, it shouldn't be a skill. It should just be, like, part of your um, part of your being. It should yeah. just be how all of us are. But unfortunately, we live in America, and that's not how that is. <laughs> we were founded on racism and oppression <laughs> yeah. and destroying other people's ways of lives. America's bullshit. That's the one thing I'm going to say from this podcast. <laughs> so, like, that's not part of our DNA. That's not part of our DNA to just be decent to other people, like, because we were not founded that way. Like... So the ability to just be like, oh, you don't feel the same way I do? That's interesting. What is that about? Like, to just like genuinely, compassionately inquire yeah. about how other people feel and believe. That's not a thing in our culture. And that sucks. And so, but also, so I want to get to the PC culture thing. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I feel like that term PC culture is like a conservative buzzword. I feel like that's something <laughs> that more conservatively inclined people think of. I'll give you that. And, I'll give you that. And there are... People who are more left-leaning who are, like, who go too far with, like, well, you can't say this and you can't say this. But I think that's, like, an important thing to think about. Like, I think more often than not, like, let's say maybe 70, 80% of the time, just to throw a number out to give a frame of reference, PC culture isn't about being PC. It's about not being an asshole. Like, like look, PC culture isn't being like, oh, I can't even say that's gay anymore. No. Because that's shitty. Like, just find a better word to say. It's the English language. There's so many different words. Like, yeah. Like, just don't... Like, if that that's something that, like... Look, there's a prominent amount of people in our culture who are gay. And you saying that's gay in, in a negative connotation is shitty. It's yeah. not about being, like, politically correct. It's about just, like, using better, smarter words to express what you're trying to say. Like, the fact that you saying something is shitty or stupid, you use the word gay. Like, that doesn't, like, alarm you at all. But gay is just a thing. It's not a positive or negative thing. It's just a thing. It's a it's a way that people are that is neither positive or negative. So to say that term is shitty. Yeah. And I think you touched upon a very important point is because I experienced, a lot, experienced this a lot growing up in small town South Dakota. 
a lot of this has to come from miseducation. At least, totally. like, it, in terms of, like, the right thinking, and you know, kind of people. like a small town mentality, too, of just, like, being yep. very particular demographic, very specific, like, a 99%, like, straight white people. Like, even though <laughs> it's, it's probably not 99% straight, but I understand whatever. what you're saying. It's, it's a... It is, like, an abnormality to see someone who's a minority or somebody who's yeah. a homosexual in that town. Right, like, right. Yeah. So, I... I, don't, I, I think 70 to 80% of the time, PC culture isn't about, oh, you just don't want me to be able to say, no, it just, just don't be an asshole, man. Like, just find a better way to say something. But there is that 10 to 20% of people who are like, go too far with it and are like, well, you're doing this and this is you being shitty to other people. And it's like, I don't really think that I'm being shitty to other people. Here's why I feel this way about this particular weird, which I can't even come up with specific right now. Like, I, black people don't tip. Okay. <laughs> Some of them do. But like it's not a racist thing though. It's not me being shitty towards a race. It's a cultural thing because that culture yeah, is different yeah. than our culture. And like in that culture, that's not a thing they do. Which why would they? We've treated them like garbage for our entire existence as a culture. So why the fuck would they tip me? <laughs> so it's not me being like racist or shitty. Like it's really not. It's just a cultural thing. So if I were to say that, I wouldn't want somebody to be like, oh, that's that's like a little bit too like oh well, I'm not I'm, it's not about being politically correct I'm just like talking about a demographic and a culture exactly I think that's the difference that people need to uh, and I want to get into this a little bit because you you did stand comedy yeah for I don't know how how long did you do stand uh, like five years off and on okay somewhere in there um, you don't really do that anymore but no, like no I, I, I retired about you three retired. years ago <laughs> <laughs> but I am, I am like curious about how you you know because this this has been an issue with like comedians. I'm not a comedian myself, but I do kind of keep in tune with that. And that's kind of the that's kind of a weird world of like you. Well, comedy is kind of an unhinged world. That's like the last. It's also like the purest art form, like stand up comedy. It's such a weird to me, even though I don't do it anymore. Like it's such a pure art form of like you can do whatever you want. It's comedy. It's so open ended. It's so like I'm gonna give a shout out to Hannah Gadsby. Uh, I can't remember her special. It's on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it, but it's phenomenal. She's like, she is a gay woman who is Australian or New Zealand. Hmm. God, I should know this shit better if I'm going to give a shout out to somebody. Anyway, her her experience is incredibly unique and uh, intense and hard. And like, that's something that people should be aware of that happens to people. Like that. Also, she's really funny and really great, but like her shit is so smart and relevant. And it's such a great piece of art. Yeah, yeah. And her talking about her life experience, which is so unique and not like other people's, but like also a demographic that people need to be aware of so they can be like, oh, there are other cultures and people who don't fit into my understanding of that culture or those people. And those are people who have a hard time uh, relating or resonating with others. And like that shit's important. And so perspective, essentially. So yeah. people should watch her fucking special on Netflix. It's incredible. Hannah Gadsby. I think it's G-A-D-S-B-Y. She's phenomenal, super funny, and it will fuck your life up and make you think about things. And that's what I think comedy could be. Mm -hmm. um, it's also intended to just laugh, make people laugh. Like, Jim Gaffigan is not necessarily, like, breaking down any, like, crazy boundaries, but he looks at, like, menial American yeah, life yeah. shit from, like, an interesting perspective, and then he makes you laugh about it because he's such a funny dude. Like... So I, do I think Jim? I don't think Jim Gaffigan's like the best comedian around, but he's one of the funniest because he's just like an, an every guy, and he has an interesting way of looking at normal things and then making you laugh about it. And it's so relatable. Yeah, That's why he's yeah. so good because he's super relatable. So 
Um, but that's what makes comedy such a pure fucking art form is that like there's so many different perspectives because there's 8 billion people in the world and every so often somebody gets to enter a world of comedy where they get to go on a stage where there's a whole bunch of people that are there to listen to you and it's you with one voice and one microphone and you speak your mind and they have to fucking listen and that's important because like on social media it's just like well that person commented but I didn't like it so I just scrolled past it or I did comment and I said something shitty and then I moved on and didn't care about it. Yeah. Um, Stand up so, comedy is such a unique, pointed, isolated incident where like you have to pay attention, and I think that's so important, depending on the perspective of the person talking. You know. So like what you're saying is like you just got kind of you know scenario by scenario kind of instance. Yeah. So I guess like how do you think PC culture has affected comedy then? Do you have any opinion on that? Yeah, I mean. I don't have anything concrete. I don't have like a definitive like this is how I feel about how PC culture has affected comedy. I think it's important and I think some people have had to rethink how they say things but I also think that some people have found a way to like (coughs) go past it and like lean into something that is kind of critiqued and be like well here's why this isn't really such a big deal but ah, that's tricky. That's hard. I think it's case by case and I think there's like it just depends on the intent. You know, like it depends on, because I feel like some people, and I don't, I don't want to give spotlight to Louis C.K. because he's a predator. <laughs> we shouldn't be glorifying him in, in any way, but there is times where he's so culturally relevant, even though he's also somebody who is a predator and struggles with things and has not atoned for them, if I can be clear. Um, but he, he has a couple times brought up things where he's like, he's like sort of apologizing for it, but like, you know that he's genuine and like, I don't mean anything shitty by this. I'm not attacking anybody by using this word or like talking about this subject matter. Yeah. Like, and I'm not going to go into specifics, but if you've watched any of his shit, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you're pointing things out versus like bashing, like specifically going towards them and yeah, being because like, fuck you. I think with PC culture, there are people who are like, fuck you. You don't get to tell me that I can't call somebody a fag. It's like, yeah, but like, again, your intention is harmful. Like, yeah, you're calling yeah. somebody something with negative connotation, which is a super shitty word. Like, come up with a fucking better word. Like, Come on. But there's so many words in the English language. It's such a malleable, like, weird-ass language. You can do whatever you want with it. Like, just pick a better word. Pick a better word. But there are people who are super volatile about that. And, like, you can't tell me I can't call you a fag. Okay. You're being shitty, dude. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you say something that's not harmful in nature, then sure, maybe people are being a little too aggressive and be like, yeah, like, he says things this way, but, like, you know that he doesn't mean anything by it. It's just kind of who he is and, like, maybe how he grew up and, like, use it as a teaching moment. I think that's also important with PC culture and, like, social media. It's, like, when do we choose the moment to point something out and when Mm -hmm. do we use it as a teaching moment? And I think 95% of the time we use it as a point to blast somebody. And 5% of the time maybe we use it as a teaching moment. And that should probably go the other way. (laughs) We should probably, because a lot of people just don't know... A lot of people just don't have perspective. Um, I think it's important to use things, to like think about things from a perspective of how could I teach this person something. Not in like a, I'm smarter than them and more enlightened and like, just like being aware of why they might be the way they are. Just having some empathy and some compassion to me. Like, even though that yeah. person's being shitty right now, like maybe let's try to understand why and like where that comes from. And maybe I could teach them something or maybe I could enlighten them with something. 
maybe I could tell them about an experience where like I understand why they're coming from where they are, but here's why that is shitty and harmful in a way that they could understand. I don't know. No, I uh, I see what you're saying. I'm trying to click my thoughts here. Um, I don't know if you've heard this man. You're probably not a fan of him. He's definitely more right wing. Um, have you heard Jordan Peterson? Does that name ring a bell? I don't believe so. Um, he has some very right wing perspectives. I'm not getting into that. Um, his main, the thing that I take away from him that's really important though, is his main thing is letting the other person talk. You know because if someone is, has a point of view that the majority of the population is going to view as wrong, like, okay, that's hateful. You're, you know, if you let somebody talk, that's going to become obvious. If you block someone, nobody ever really knows. Right. You know, I think that's, that, that's kind of what I'm trying to get into, get into when we talk about PC culture. It's like somebody can have a really shitty racist viewpoint. Let them fucking talk. You know, yeah. because then the majority, sure, there will be a small group of people who are going to be like, yeah, fuck the blah, 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 you know, blank, fill in the blank. But, you know, you like to think, you know, despite whatever, that majority of people are going to be like, no, what you're what you're talking about, what you're saying is like fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's I think that's my point when I'm talking about PC culture is like. Sure, there are definitely some people who say some really shitty things, and those people should not inherently be able to say that. But at the same time, you almost give them more power yeah. by blocking them. I would agree with that. Um, and I think it's like, it, it, I think there's definitely some relevant critique towards people who are very quick to point out people being shitty. It's like, maybe you're too quick to be like, you're being shitty, and here's why I think so. It's like, are you really concerned about the person they are being oppressive towards? Or are you just needing to feel validated by telling somebody that they suck so that yeah. you don't feel like you suck? Well, or that even the idea that anyone could possibly be against your theology that just automatically marks them as that kind of person. Right. Like you have to agree with this thing that I'm shouting at you or you're a piece of shit. So yeah. That's really dangerous. doesn't really check out, man. Like... It totally is dangerous, and, and and I think that's a big problem in our like super bipartisan culture, where there's just like no middle ground, and there's no like relevant other perspective. It's just like yeah. you feel this way or you feel this way, and nothing else matters. And I want to make this clear um, because I, you know, you did acknowledge I'm more conservatively minded, but I do want to get into this view shortly, um, like the atheism view. That's like the thing. Like for me, it's such a fucking like torturous. Because right. I have more of a conservative view, and I talk with people who are more conservative, and they're like, "Do you believe in God?" I'm like, <laughs> "Not even a little, <laughs> not even remotely." You're, 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 you know. So like, I really do feel like I'm in this like. You you're know, in a very, I'm, you're in a very like unique perspective <laughs> of like somebody who has some more conservative leanings, but like doesn't believe in God and whatever else, and like which a lot of conservative views are very like religiously fueled. Yeah, and so like. To be somebody more conservative, but also identifies as atheist, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, that, yep. that's a really weird like demographic, and so exactly, it's it, not a very common one, so it's hard to identify. Sometimes. It's really hard, <laughs> it's really hard for me to identify. Like I feel like people who you have gotten to know a little bit are probably way more liberally inclined than you, because <laughs> people whose mindset you might vibe with also think differently than you politically. Yeah. Like, and that's okay. Like that's and that's the fucking beauty of being a human, and just like 
your experience and like learning shit about yourself and others. And so, but that's like a, that's a interesting pocket of like viewpoint and vibe. Yeah. And yeah. that would be hard to fucking relate to people. Sometimes, well, Hey, so. I'm, I'm going to give you an applause. You can't hear it, but I'm going to give you an applause. <laughs> you like perfectly fucking laid it out. Like my life. It's the, um, empath, it's the empath thing, man. Like maybe I sound like a crazy person when I tell people like I can feel your vibe and like I understand when you walk into my bar what your energy is and how you're going to be. I'm like 99% accurate. Like I might sound like I'm a crazy person, but I get it. Like I just feel people's shit all the time. And I'm like, I can understand just about any perspective <laughs> that you could put in front of me because I'm super fucking empathic and it's crippling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, though, yeah. You're really, you're, sorry, go ahead. Even though I'm like a strong opinionated person myself, like I just I, I feel like I'm okay at that and am quick to like backpedal a little bit. Not backpedal, that's not a good term. I'm quick to like if I say something strong, I'm also like I, I'm quick to be like, but also I'm open to somebody maybe explaining why I shouldn't feel that way. Like I'm open to an opinion that offers a different perspective. Like that's what I think I'm saying. Even though I'm like a fiery angry person that like can quickly like say things with fire i'm also somebody who's immediately after like but i'm willing to admit i'm wrong (laughs) yeah yeah i'm the same way too you know even like even if i got into discussion with a religious person they were able to say something that i said was incorrect i'd be willing to glance glance over that and think about it you know well and having grown up in that kind of environment and have like a lot of pretty good pretty decent friends still who like would identify as somebody with some religious leanings or beliefs. Like I've had so many like long in-depth conversations with people like my, my brother is like a devout Christian and that term has a lot of different meanings, but like, I mean, everybody in my family is except me. I'm the only one that went away from it. Yeah. So like, but like most of my family and I specifically my siblings and my mom, we're all really tight now. And so like they all are of those sort of beliefs and I am adamantly not. And so do you still, vibe with those people and get along with them and have those kind of good discussions because we're all like relatively intelligent people that like to talk about that stuff and like you know philosophize about life and religion and whatever else like yeah, I, I, yeah i've had many conversations with many people who feel very differently than i and i think that's important and i don't think a lot of people do that i think people like pigeonhole themselves and like just kind of like find super unique perspectives that are very close-minded to not close-minded, but like so hyper-similar to theirs, they don't have to think outside of that. I understand what you're saying. And I think yep. that cripples like us as a society. Like America's always been very like adamantly like America, and we are the leader of the free world. And if you think differently, then you're against us. It's like I feel like it kind of fucks us up. Like it kind of like makes things harder. Yeah, because yeah. we're just like so adamantly like this. And if you don't fit into that, then fuck you. It's like well, that's kind of like the opposite of freedom, though. So mm-hmm. maybe yep. it's all kind of bullshit. I don't know. Well. <laughs> No, no, I I see what you're saying, and you know, this talking is just me about this, going off on a tangent. No, but. You're, you're good. Uh, you know, thinking about this, talking about this, uh, like for me personally, uh, like if I want to be educated on a certain topic that might be, you know, might be political, might be moral, might be whatever, um, it's really hard. Like for me personally, in my specific place that we talked about, it's really hard for me to find information because, yeah. like that Jordan Peterson guy I was just talking about, right. For he, I joke. He's the only religious person I'll listen to, (laughs) (laughs) because he's able. He is able to like take biblical things and put in like a very scientific, like philosophical kind of viewpoint. I can kind of appreciate at the same time, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, but, but, 
be bleeding God like a fuck. I, right. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is tricky, you know. Um, and it'll also uh, uh, segue into like I don't even like necessarily consider myself a full on atheist because hmm. I don't like to be that definitive with how I feel about something. See, not. And atheism, by definition, is definitive as fuck. It's like there is no God, there is no existence of God, and that's what atheism is. Like, and that's a little bit trickier for me to like say that I subscribe to, even though I'm probably like I don't think there's a a God. I don't think there's like this all seeing omniscient being that like created us and whatever else. Like, but do I think there's something resembling a spiritual higher power? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, I don't I, mean to interrupt, but I, I think what you're saying is like. I think to truly be an atheist, you have to acknowledge that you don't know the answers. Okay. You know, that's the beauty of being an atheist. It's like you can you can look at the science and say, but no. Doesn't we- that mean you're a little bit more, uh, what's the term? Agnostic? Um, like I, saying- would, I would disagree. I would think, personally for me, I would think agnostic is kind of a point where you're struggling with all of it. Okay, I guess we'd have to look up the definition. Like, I feel like... <laughs> okay. I don't... Let's sorry see. if that sounded like... No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I, I, I totally appreciate it. Like, I, I'm just expressing what I think my understanding is, is that atheism is, like, definitively there is no God, and that is what I believe. Ag- ag- agnosticism? Agnosticism is... From Boy, what? this is where the whiskey's coming in. Like, I'm good, <laughs> but I can't pronounce words like that. Um, I think ag- being agnostic is admit is, like basically acknowledging a lack of knowledge like being like i don't necessarily believe in a religious god but i don't know not like being confused about it but just being like See, i don't know and i don't understand and it's not something that like i need to know i see what you're saying i do understand what you're saying but i think if you were to say that you would be able to say that richard dawkins like an agnostic and neil well i don't know about neil but whoever you know, because yeah. I think all those people who consider themselves atheists and who are proprietors, they still have that scientific aspect to them who are able to admit. Because I think to truly be scientific, you have to admit that you don't know. Cause, sure. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I'll they, agree with that for sure, for sure. There, You know, obviously there are things that we can see in our reality and that we can understand our reality. But, I mean, you know, like the Big Bang and, all you know, everything like creation, like nobody that's living right now was living then so there's right. really no way we can really know yeah but this is the best way that we can understand it not to like pick a super unique perspective but like <laughs> go for it like when white people shout about like it not being a race issue you don't fucking know because you've been the superior race in this fucking society culturally economically etc so like you don't get to shout angry things about another culture like ask any black person and they'll be like oh yeah no racism is a fucking issue if 100 percent of those people think it's an issue it's a fucking issue you don't fucking know perspective matters sorry no no, no. <laughs> tangent over <laughs> like i'm tired of listening to fucking angry white dudes like yelling about something about a culture that they don't that they aren't a part of like that's where my liberalness comes in where like people ah it's that's not a race thing like everybody's just so quick to shout racism like but you're a fucking white dude what do you know like I will agree with you there. You're not part of that perspective, so you don't know. That's not your culture. That's not your experience. So, I don't know. I just, I'm just tired of listening to angry white dudes, which See, I'm also an angry white dude, so <laughs> maybe what I have to say isn't relevant either. I'm open to that. <laughs> maybe I should shut the fuck up, too. See, but you just touched upon what I was trying to talk about. It's like, 
I think if you really want to get a, if you want to erase that stigma of white people, yeah. you got to be able to have that conversation. Right. This kind of goes back to the whole peak. Like, I want to be able to talk to someone who is black and identifies as that, you know, certain category of person. I really want to be able to like, and I, I'm not going to say I haven't. I think I have in doses, but I don't know. Do you think you'd be able to like? sit down with someone of a completely different culture and like understand everything about that yes or uh, or rather i think that i could be open to learning like i well i know that i would be because i that's what i do like and, I, and again it's the empath thing like i feel like i have a good understanding of other cultures because i like feel that shit it's just a thing that's ingrained in me like and i'm somebody who doesn't like my my culture and like my upbringing and so yeah like i yeah. want to learn about as many other cultures as i can like i don't want to live in this fucking country i just don't have the means not to like i want to live elsewhere and explore the world and get to know other cultures and get to know other peoples from other different backgrounds that are not my own because i don't like my own so i want to learn other stuff and like maybe find a culture where i'm like this makes sense for me this is like a type of people of a wide variety and a different types of cultures that all kind of vibe and this is where i feel calm and comfortable and loved and like you know so yeah i would be super open to that <laughs> no i like i would too i get i don't know maybe i'm getting too deep here but like do you see what i'm saying do you like because the divisiveness is so much that it might even be hard for that person on the opposite side to be able to like be as open with you as you might well, be willing to totally because we're an extremely divisive culture like i mean it's so bipartisan it's so divisive in every way and it's outrage and it's people being angry without having justification for being angry and it's just like what are we doing i just don't get it i just like i feel like other first world countries look at us and go like what the fuck are they doing <laughs> like a lot of that's like trump and other things but like i think i feel like even before that even when it was obama president who was a much more like and i for full full disclosure i didn't vote for him either time really i like him better so much better than I like Trump. But I didn't actually vote for him at the time. I didn't vote for the other side either. I voted locally in Senate, hmm. Congress, all that stuff. I just, like, I chose to not vote for president those two years because I just couldn't quite get on board with certain things. And again, that's where I'm kind of, like, middle ground and, like, believe in that. I but I mean, interrupt. That's really interesting, though, just, like, knowing you. Yeah. Um, but sorry, continue. And and that's where, like, I'm, I'm definitely more liberally inclined, but I also, like, understand the other side that I'm, like, I feel like I'm relatively centrist. Like, I would agree. I would agree. Socially, I'm super liberal. Like, if you have any issue with any other type of person, like, wanting to get married or any other culture, wanting to be in love with somebody, or think that a woman doesn't have control of her body, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm as socially liberal as it can be, but there's just like, there's so much more to it than that. You can't just be like, I am this, mm -hmm. definitively, and like... Obama did some really shitty shit with wars overseas and like other stuff. And oh like, yeah, uh, the droning you know, and all that. Yeah, yeah. and so there, I I had a I had problems with him, but I think like socially in this country he did some really good things, and I'm glad for that. And I would so much rather somebody like him be in charge right now than what we have. But um, yeah, I just I I, I <sighs> whiskey. I don't remember where I was going with this. <laughs> um, well, I didn't vote for him at the time. But it's so much better than what the fuck's happening now. But I, oh, I remember. Okay, even before Trump, I just think that there was just this divisiveness, you know, and there was such a pushback to like the black guy being president. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's like a small, loud ass minority of people who are like, we don't like this guy because of this. But like, man, I had an Uber driver two months ago, like when the uh, more than two months ago, it's probably three or four now, when like um, 
the political stuff was going on, uh, caucusing and everything else. I don't well, know. Uh, 2018? No, this year. Oh, oh, this year. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Caucusing this year, which I'm so lost on days and months anymore. <laughs> was it January? <laughs> it was January, right? That's when the caucusing was early January. Uh, I didn't participate. So oh I my know. god, I did. I just, I, man, what a baffling scenario. Anyway, um, time is such a, who knows anymore? Who's to say? Um, <laughs> it's a construct. It's not even. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I had an Uber driver around that time. When, like, all the political rallies was going on and everybody was gearing up for caucusing. And so people were, like, walking through towns, canvassing, and just, like, calling people. And it was just, like, a really active political time. Hmm. And I had an Uber driver pick me up. It was this probably, like, mid to late 40s, early 50s woman from the South, from Texas. I think she said she's from Dallas. She was a Cowboys fan. <laughs> and that's where our conversation started. And then it quickly went to her being really angry that she had to drive a lot of liberally inclined people downtown. <laughs> For political stuff. And then she proceeded to talk to me about Obama four years after the fact, by the way. <laughs> and now she just doesn't think that a Muslim from another country should be president. This is something a grown-ass woman told me. Like, in a car, unsolicited. Like, I didn't ask for her opinion. <laughs> which... People are able to give opinions. That's America. You can say whatever you want, whenever you want. Just, like, maybe not be a piece of shit. But, like, I, I cannot even fathom, like, how somebody still thinks that. Like whether, yeah, you liked, yeah. whether you liked Obama or not, he was not from Kenya. And he was not a Muslim. But, like, to take that a step further, even if he was Muslim, why does that disqualify him from being president of a free world country? Yeah, yeah. You know? Like... And so that's where I get a little bit more liberally inclined because that like that tiny that smaller conservative portion of people who were just like so like blatantly misinformed. Like not even just like misinformed, like they straight up don't acknowledge factual information. They just disqualify it and say that's bullshit and they believe stuff that is objectively untrue. Yeah, yeah. Like Obama grew up going to a Christian church in Chicago. He's not a fucking Kenyan Muslim, but even if he was, why is that a bad thing? <laughs> like, that's, I think, more the root of the issue is, like, if that guy was from somewhere else and he believes a different ideological religion than you, which they're not too far off, but whatever. We don't have to go into that. Um, <laughs> why is that a problem? But yeah. also, why does somebody still think that? I, it just blew my fucking mind. I just, I, that was unreal to me. That um, was an experience I had this year. <laughs> From a person who had a job and was an adult who still has opinions like that. And that's where like my like angry liberalism kicks in. And I'm like, we have to fight these people because they're so bad and so misinformed and so like vehemently against other types of people. And I don't know what that is. See, I think you just touched upon it. Like, I think that's the main root of all these problems is like lack of education. Yeah, for you sure. Know? For sure. Like, well, and, and, and our education system is like the powers that be determining what they want us to learn. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Recency yeah. bias. Um, uh, there's another term. Just like uh, altering the truth to be like, well, we don't, like in Germany, like we don't want to teach you about the Holocaust. Or like other <laughs> things, like, which I don't know how accurate that is. I just know that's like a thing that's... See, uh, I was going to say, I thought that they were actually... I've heard that they actually really teach Re a lot revisionist, of people. Revisionist history. That's what the term I'm going for. 
like, and I'm I'm just using that as a point of reference. I don't know if that's actually true. Okay. I really I, don't know that, but I know that like America, there's a lot of revisionist history of us being like, no man, this is the land of the free and the brave and whatever else. And like, even though we like completely ruined an entire other culture's yeah entire being and history and fucked over their entire livelihood, it's the land of the free. You can be whatever you want. Like it's it's revisionist history. It's just bullshit. Like it's just so this is. This is just kind of a point I, I thought about. Here, yeah, pour me another one. You're the bartender after all. <laughs> um, you talk about history because I do think even if it's like if the history is horrible, it's important to remember it. Yeah. No, totally. Like it's 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 important to remember what we were founded on, which is all shitty things. Like I mean, it was we felt like we were coming from oppression, but then did the exact same thing and like completely extinguished a culture of people. Yeah. to do that and like that's important to remember it's important to remember that we felt like we were being oppressed <laughs> then we just were like yeah but like we own black people and also we're gonna fuck over Native Americans <laughs> and what the fuck that's not that's not a reaction to oppression that's just you being oppressors who didn't like being told what to do by other oppressors yeah that's like the foundation of our society and so it's not surprising that fast forward however far later, 250 years, whatever it is, that we're just, like, on social media, like, shitting on each other and yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah. It's so terrible. And I just don't feel like I belong at all in this kind of culture, if I can be entirely honest. <laughs> no, no I, I feel the same way. Uh, I guess what I was getting at with that is, like, again, uh, be more conservatively inclined. Yeah. One of the things that really irritates me is when Again, not trying to stereotype people no, who okay. maybe maybe view themselves as more left leaning are yep. trying to destroy all these statues and these monuments that are in the South who represent all these people who are in the Union and all that. Right, right. Obviously, those people are hateful people. I'm not saying that they did anything good, right? But people need to acknowledge that it's important to remember that because yeah. who was it? I think it was was it Truman or Winchester or Winston Churchill, maybe. If you don't remember history, it tends to repeat itself. Sure, sure. I think that's Churchill. That's Churchill? But I okay. might be wrong. I just did a year of college. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> I'm just a 35-year-old bartender that drinks too much. What do I know? <laughs> that's important to remember about this entire episode. About this really long podcast. Is yeah, right? No matter how opinionated or whatever I get, just whatever. I'm a fucking 35-year-old bartender. I don't know shit. I'm just somebody who likes to think about life and have a perspective yeah, whatever either of us I don't think either of us fully willing to admit it that I'm wrong <laughs> at every point of this turn <laughs> if you're gonna use this podcast for like a footing of like a uh, debate or whatever yeah. uh, find other sources this won't it. stand up in court this is just <laughs> yeah. two dudes drinking whiskey talking about life yeah. trying not to be shitty about other people like you know hey I'll choose you that <laughs> <laughs> whew um I don't mean to sidetrack you, but you, we were curious about the definition because this kind of goes into what I kind of want to. Oh yeah, talk. yeah, please. Um, the definition agnostic of an agnostic versus oh, we atheist. Oh, get it right. Cool. Yeah. So agnostic is a person who believes that nothing is known or can be known in the existence of nature of God or of anything beyond material phenomena. Okay. Um, so that's a, that's agnostic, and See, atheism is disbelief or lack of belief in the existence of God or gods. Okay. Cool. I think that's kind of where I felt it was. It, like both are like kind of defined. I see what you're saying. Terminologies, like, but I understand you being like people who might identify as being more agnostic might just be more unsure 
than they are definitively like I don't know because I I personally and this is kind of how I feel as somebody who I'm probably agnostic more than I am atheist I respect that because I'm just like because I'm kind of a skeptic and I'm just like I definitively don't know yeah but also like I don't need to know like and that's where I kind of feel like agnosticism is it's not about acknowledging or being on of acknowledging a disbelief or like being super unsure it's more just being like there's no way for us to know definitively anything so who the fuck am I to say anything I'm one of 8 billion people that currently exist on this planet and one of multiple multiple billions of people who have existed before me nobody has found a definitive answer so what the fuck do I know who am I to say anything definitively at all and again like I like that you said like science is a big part of that is like not knowing and learning through extensive processes yep. of education and learning and hypothesizing and finding definitive studied answers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that all comes from like acknowledging we don't know. So here's how we try to find something that is factual. Like, so yeah, it's almost kind of giving up in a way. Just say, oh, there's an imaginary man in the sky who created the world in seven days and right. everything's dandy, you know? I think there's something really... There's really sad. There's something really sad in like thinking like that. Like truly, like I remember in high school, I had teachers who taught science, and they truly be- they told us in class that they truly believed that the world was created in seven 24-hour days. Yep. Like how how can you take those two worlds and blend them like that? Whereas like scientific things that have like extensive process and decades of information by like knowledgeable intense people who like that is their livelihood is figuring this shit out and like finding exploring ways to find a definitive fact yeah and like they have determined that these things that they have spent extensive time on have determined that certain things are millions of years old (laughs) (laughs) like long like older than we are human existence even and eh, religion's just like nah Nah. (laughs) (laughs) 2,000 years old. That's how old we are. It's like when somebody asks you how old you are, which I get a lot of discrepancy on my age, and I'm I'm 35, and they're like, no. (laughs) Like, I'm literally, God, I'm telling you a factual information that I know for a fact is certain, and you're going, nah. That's frustrating. That's a lot. There's a lot of that in our culture, and I feel like that tends to be on the more right-leaning side of things. See, and I agree agree with you. And, And you're not one of those people. I just, like... Some of the more conservatively inclined people can be like that, and that's frustrating in our culture. It is you know? extremely frustrating. I mean, for you especially, for, for well, I me... I think maybe for you especially, actually. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I expect that. Yeah. But, like, you're more... Not of that ilk, but, like, you're more conservatively leaning, and you're like, you're giving us such a bad name <laughs> by being this way. Like, I It's like the angry white people in, yeah. the, in South, you know, Georgia, you know? They make us look fucking terrible. We're not that kind of person, you know? <laughs> I am white, and I am straight, and I am conservative, but I am not an asshole. I assure you. Like, yeah. I, li- I, I like people. Yeah, yeah, I have friends of all spectrums. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, it is difficult. Um, I just wish more of our culture was open to the idea that they're wrong. Exactly. Like, as, as, as fiery and opinionated as I can be, like, again, I think I said this earlier, like, I'm the first person to be like, but also, I might be wrong. Like I, but I'm, and I'm a good listener. Like I'm ready to listen to somebody else's perspective, and I'm not going to be looking at somebody while they tell me this perspective with like a smirk on my face. Yeah. While I'm just like waiting to reply, 
with like whatever vitriol I want to spew at them. Like, you know, that's so much of our culture. It's just like people waiting to reply with their own vitriol. That's a thing. Yeah. It's so prominent, especially on social media. I don't even think people read comments. They like find one part of it. They're like, yep, 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 yep. I didn't like that. Fuck you. And here's why. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a debate with someone and I tell them, okay, like, give me a source. Get, like, you're telling me all this stuff. Like, I want to be able to read it. I'm not going to just take right. your saying it as face value. Right. And nine times out of ten, they pull up a fucking Facebook article. Yeah. Or like a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. Whatever else. It's like, there's no peer reviewed scientific Nothing. definitive answers. It's just like, well, here's a thing I saw that resonates with me that doesn't require me to think at all. Fuck you. This exactly. is how I feel. Like, come that's on. A, that's a. <laughs> And I think we, you can appreciate this being a film buff. We didn't, we weren't even be able to, or we weren't even able to get into that. I hope That's we can a do whole that. Other podcast. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I watched this uh, analysis about Tiger King. I don't know yeah. if you saw that. I did not. Watch I it. watched the first four episodes with a person that I did mushrooms with the first for the first oh, time. Really? <laughs> it wasn't that night though. Like it was another time we hung out and okay. we watched. We were just like, oh fuck it, let's see what happens. And I remember being like, I'm not gonna watch this shit. It'll be this. <laughs> It's just some dumb fucking reality bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And then I got like 15 minutes in and I was like, oh my god, this is fascinating. Because <laughs> it's like a real character study of like real crazy ass people. Yeah, That's yeah. Why, and I don't mean that like in a negative way. I just mean like there's a lot of like weird mental illness shit. There's a lot of like weird predatory stuff. There's a lot of like gaslighting stuff. It's just there's so much going on there of just like relevant cultural things, even though that's such a unique world. That none of us can resonate with, like, or yeah, ident yeah. identify with. Rather, is the word I'm looking for. Like, it's such a wild character study in like the world of big cat ownership, which is such a specific, unique thing. Yeah, it's so yeah, weird, yeah. so weird. I, I can understand watched, the appeal in that definitely. I only watched the first four episodes, and I was fascinated by it. But then, for some reason, I never finished it. Hmm. I just didn't like my the person I watched it with ended up finishing it like a week later. She was like, "I couldn't wait. I'm sorry." I'm like, "That's fine. I get it." <laughs> and then I just never watched the rest of it. I, Hmm. Uh, well, my point, my point with that, um, I saw this video analysis, and obviously I haven't seen it. Um, but it's kind of like what you're talking about, like with that peer review. There's no peer review for documentaries, right? You know, right. so literally, I, not that I'm saying that Tiger King is that, but this video, this film analysis on YouTube, like really broke that documentary down along with other documentaries about like how there is a skewed perception by the director and the people who make this. Totally. And they will totally. almost in a way like create facts, like create things yeah. that are like not. It's it's not almost it it's not always uh documentary by definition. It's not just like yeah. I'm showing you information and a story, do what you will. Like documentary is as much sorry, I keep hitting the microphone because I talk <laughs> with my hands. Um it's as much filmmaking sometimes as it is documenting yep and so like is tiger king very much like a film as much as it is a documentary probably mm -hmm. i don't know like it it maybe the, the film maybe the filmmakers had like a pointed intent with what they were doing like coming out of it everybody thought carol baskin killed her husband everybody thought that there's fucking memes about it there's songs about it there's tiktoks about it what the fuck ever like in the parlance of our time. Um, but, like, if you look at it, really, like, she married, like, a 40-year-old dude when she was, like, 20 or something like that, mm -hmm. who was probably abusive and shitty. 
Yeah. And so, like, maybe we shouldn't be like, oh, that bitch killed her husband. Maybe we should be like, (laughs) maybe she was in an abusive relationship, and I don't know what the fuck happened. Maybe she did kill him, but, like, maybe it's not such a terrible thing that that person is not around to be an oppressor to this person. I don't know. And I'm not saying that that is what I definitively believe. I'm just saying, like... That, those filmmakers wanted you to believe that she killed her husband. Their goal was to entertain <laughs> you, not totally. To... It's entertainment. Like that was, and it was such a perfect time for it. Just like quarantine happens. Hey, yep. here's this wild yep. ass fucking documentary. <laughs> like it was so perfect timing. Like it's they baffling. didn't even like, plan that either. Oh my god! You know? No, it was just like if I would have been one of the filmmakers or like a studio exec or distribution or whatever, I would have been like, oh my god, this is. <laughs> This is going to be so successful. And we're going to kill this. This is going to be so good for all of us. Like, like I can't wait for like a year or two now, from now, where like somebody does like a, almost like a, not a documentary, but like a little bit of a study on like Tiger King, what actually happened, <laughs> and how we as a culture perceived it and ingested it and talked about it and thought about it and meme created about it. Like, during a time of pandemic and quarantine, which yeah. none of us have experienced. Like, such a fucking weird, unique, like, specific baffling thing that happened. Tiger King. <laughs> Netflix comes out with a documentary about Tiger King I mean, two years later. <laughs> that's totally, yeah, our version of capitalism. We're going to make this thing. We're going to make people lose their minds about it. And then we're going to make more money off the thing about people talking about us losing their minds about it. Like... Ah, oh, it's so weird. Weird, bizarre world we live in. Um, fuck. We've been going for a long... Holy shit. Eh, we're probably like three hours in. Uh, quite three. just no, about. Like two and a half. Get in there. Two and a half? A little more than two and a half. Okay. Uh, the runtime toll has probably been about two and a half. Okay. Um, fuck, I want to have you on again, for sure. Yeah, of course. We, I mean, been... there's so much shit we can cover. We can go yeah. into more of this kind of stuff, or we can, like, do a movie thing, or, you know, whatever. Um, I want Is there wanna... anything you wanted to specifically... Right now, currently, um, to close out. I don't know, but the thing I did want to mention is I do want to get you and Teresa on. I want to do like a whole podcast just like strictly in atheism. Okay, just cool. like yeah, that'd be fun. You know, I, I I I identify with that group, but I don't necessarily believe it, and I think that like energy and things like that are really important too. Exactly, so we'll, and so like. That would be fun to talk about. And yeah, I think we all like identify as atheists, but we all probably still have some culture, you know, not trying to get too much in Teresa, but she does have like that Jewish-based upbringing, sure, so that's sure. kind yep. of an interesting yep. spin on it, too. Um, and we, yeah, she actually brought it up. We were talking about, yeah, I've had her on a couple times. Um, but yeah, we should definitely, definitely do that. Um, fuck, so this movie that's coming out, when, when's that coming out? Or do you not know yet? Oh, uh, man, I don't know. Uh, quarantine kind of fucked everything. Like, um, uh, I was supposed to go back to film some scenes the beginning of June. Yeah. But then, like, a couple people came on board for a couple scenes that I maybe wasn't, like, super comfortable with. And then it was like, hey, if we did this on the 16th when the world reopens, we could get everything knocked out. And I'm like, first of all, I'd have to figure out travel plans. Yeah. To go back to see. Because, I mean, every time we film these, I go back home. And I'm somebody that doesn't drive, which is a whole other topic of conversation. But, like... Um. Yeah, I have to make travel arrangements and figure out how to get back home or to stay, et cetera, et cetera, and then get into a frame of mind to film and perform, and then like it's just it's a lot. I fucking love it. It's super worth it. Like, um, acting is big for me. Like, I so much love acting more than I love stand up comedy. And just like it works for me. Like, 
diving into a character, just kind of like being that character. Like I, that's like, if I had like a creative goal, it would be singing or acting, which I'm a better actor than I am a singer, I think. Hmm. But like if, if any of these movies like made their way towards somebody in fucking LA or wherever, somewhere where people were making quality films and they were just like, Hey, we like what you did doing this. Do you think that you could do something like this? Like I would dive whole heartedly into that. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's been fun for me, but, um, I, this quarantine just like fucked everything up. I don't know when this movie's going to be finished. Um, I don't know when the deadline is. I don't know when we're going to have a premiere. Hmm. I know nothing. These last you, two months, I definitively know nothing. You're you're right along with all of us. We're just yeah. fucking leaves in the wind at this point. You yeah. know, just going with it for sure. All right, everybody. Uh, wrapping up the McAllister hours. It's been such a fucking pleasure, man, to have you on. I feel like we, despite our two and a half hours, possibly more talking, we have not even scratched the surface of the conversation oh, no. we could we could have. So we I'm definitely gonna have you back on totally very soon. Um, tomorrow we're gonna be filming this tomorrow. I guess the next day after you guys all see this, we're gonna have Sorry Angel and Anti Love on the podcast. Um, two local rappers in Des Moines. It's gonna be an interesting conversation. Um, after that we have G Seven. He works with uh, D Lo, the Don, and Lolo Savage. A couple people we've had on. He's a producer. It's gonna be great to have some insight on that. And we have a lot more content coming up in the next month here. So all y'all subscribe, share, like. All that bullshit. Get this thing going. Keep it going. It's not bullshit, man. You should be safe. <laughs> Subscribe. Follow. Yeah, ex- no, exactly. Join us on this journey. <laughs> Join us on this journey. This of hanging out with humans and drinking whiskey and trying to not hate everything that is happening in our lives. <laughs> That's Let's be important. creative and pleasant together and feel happy vibes and get to know people and have a good drink and have conversations where people of differing backgrounds can talk about that and not be fucking assholes exactly fucking it's assholes. so important and nobody does it just go say hello to your neighbor and ask them about where they came from okay just have some empathy have Let's a conversation have a together and have a good time sit down and listen that's the key listen it's so important so important um yeah i hope y'all were drinking some whiskey or smoking some weed or whatever while we listen to this or eating some mushrooms or eating some mushrooms or taking some ass i'm gonna go do that in an hour <laughs> Maybe not. We'll see what can, happens. Can I join you? <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, man. We're signing off. It's been a great fucking time. Great fucking episode. Please stay tuned. This has been a hell of a time. Jay Bash, I'd love to have you on again. Yeah, Hope man. we can Thanks do it. Thanks for having me. Cheers. All right, man. All right, everybody. Peace out. Have a good night. <laughs>